Okay, I know we're going to be. Oh no, we need to. Oh no, we just did sync up. Sorry, <laughs> I was about to but start. Then thought we to had sync to sync up. up. Then I remembered that we had to sync up. Right, I'll start that again. <laughs> now I know we're going to be talking about E3 this week predominantly, but before we go any further, yeah, and to, I'm going to be off topic by actually being on topic with the intro here for once. I need to talk about a video game quickly. I, I I said last week that I wasn't all that enthused with what I'd played of Judgment. Has it turned around? I should I should never have doubted. I should never have doubted Judgment. The moment the first chapter is over, it all pops off and and it becomes everything I want. That that was going to be my question is is how how deep in do you have to get? Like time-wise, how far is that in before it all kicks off? Yeah, I can't talk until the 20th about any content beyond chapter 1, but let me just say even though all the criticism I had still stands because it's all still there in chapter 1 and those additions I talked about lock picking and tailing missions and stuff, it's all a bit too normal video game bollocks, stuff that just shouldn't be in the game. They more than make up for it with how it just instantly. It's it's oh. instant. Chapter one, rather slow drag. Suddenly everything starts happening and then all the old familiar sort of side story ideas pop up and things get wild and you get all these new mini games that are cool. So yes, um, Anyone who was a bit worried about judgment based on what I said last week, I wanted to immediately come in this week and say, oh my word, oh. it's what I was hoping it would be. So it turned around incredibly. I'm so happy that the video game has improved itself and because it, you were so excited for that one. I'm so glad it's, it's, it's looking up. And unlike Fallout 76, it didn't take a year to do it. Is this the video game that glamorizes crime gangs and also fired someone for having a bit of drugs? <laughs> A little bit. A bit. A bit. So I, I wouldn't know if... I, I, I guess it does glamorise it a bit. Yeah, it certainly... Uh... It abs <laughs> I'm looking at the screenshots and it absolutely... <laughs> you are a private detective this time around. You're not a, a, an actual yuck as a guy. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not uh, against games glamorising uh, by like bad people. I think it's just, you know... For, for for me, that's a, that can be a very fun form of entertainment. I get what you mean. It was a weird... It's just a funny irony. It's a weird thing, yeah. I mean, that's just uh, Japanese culture for you, where it is literally one of the worst things you can do is eat a bit of drugs. Um, to the point where the values are completely out of whack. Oh no, not eat a bit of drugs. Oh. Super, hand, super hands can never go to, uh, to Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's the thing. Like, I think it's fine if... If you're not like part of actual Japanese entertainment, if you're a member of established Japanese entertainment, your career is done more or less if they find drugs in you. They basically don't want you to be someone that that gets idolized and that people sort of look up to and respect if you do drugs. It's a it's a strange um, set of values balancing compared yeah. to especially America here, where you'd be. Your career's over if you haven't done a rail or two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know what the what the clear video game winner of E3 was, though? Best video game of E3 by a fucking country mile. I mean, I can only guess what, what yours would be, Laura, but but do tell us. It's Roller Champions. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's basically a roller derby video game. There's a demo available. It's great. It didn't grab me because, A, it was during Ubisoft's press conference, which was... Bo so boring. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's there's a lot of nonsense in that press conference. That was a weird one because Ubisoft peaked really early with that really awesome Watchdog stuff, and oh, then yeah, the yeah. rest just felt like really kind of bland. I've i nothing against like military shooters; they're a bit of fun, but wow, it seemed like there's a whole lot of that. Oh, they they went in real fucking hard on Rainbow Six properties. Yeah, at one point, I kind of lost interest and went back and saw. You know when you can't tell if the same game is still playing or if it's a new one? Yeah. I had that issue. Because it was just more more, more beardy dudes with fucking M16s or whatever. I couldn't tell if I were watching, especially because they kept having things like a pre-rendered trailer, then a bit of a speech about yeah. it, then more pre-rendered trailers. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell them apart either, Gab. Yeah, it, it, it was just like, here's Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. Here's Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Breakpoint. Here's... Uh, the Division 2, that's also Tom Clancy. Here's Tom Clancy's What's It Quarantine. I'm pretty sure half of that con conference was Tom Clancy. They're getting their money's worth out of that fucking license. I'll give them that much. Oh, yeah, no, that 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 brand is doing well for them. And they're, they're making it work. Yeah. But Roller Champions, I will fucking talk about this video game. The, the core premise as it was pitched was like, hey, it's kind of roller derby video game. It's not quite roller derby. Um, roller derby, you tend to score points by like getting through the pack and like doing doing laps of the other team. Uh, this has a ball, so that's a bit of a departure. Um, and there's some stuff like you can go the opposite direction to the scoring direction and you can do contact hits against the back or or you know, two people head on collision, which would all be penalties in actual roller derby. But the spirit of the sport is totally there. It It is an online multiplayer sports game, which is usually not my jam in the slightest, but it's super quick rounds. I think the standard length of a game is seven minutes, ten if it goes into overtime. Um, and it's just a bunch of doing speed boosts on a circular track, trying to do big hits into people so they'll drop the ball. Um, speeding around with the ball, trying to get it through a net. And it's really fun. Which conference and platform was this on, Laura? Uh, this was during the Ubisoft conference. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what, what platforms the actual game's coming to, but there is a demo on PC until sometime on the 14th of June. So, like, you might have time to check it out still if you're listening to this the day it goes up. I'm so glad for you that this exists. <laughs> I'm so happy. I've been saying for years, if you go look on my YouTube channel, like two, three years ago, I made a video about why we need a roller derby game, like a roller derby video game needs to exist. It's it's a very queer, very uh, customizable, often female-fronted contact sport that has a lot of cool ways that you can do, like, tricks and flips and boosts and shit like that like arcade shit and make it feel naturally part of the sport and on a very uh kinetic gameplay level it shouldn't be too hard to make going around on roller skates feel really fun and cool oh yeah no it it feels really nice it's got a really good pace to it um the demo's got a couple of tracks already and they feel nice and different to each other sense of speed is great the sense of collision when you hit someone's fantastic I, I'm having a fucking ball with it. Um, but the day after this, the day this goes up, there should be, I've, I've got an impressions video going up. I am fucking loving this video game. I want this video game. Now. I'm going to be so sad when this demo goes away in like two days. I want this fucking video game. When is it coming out? No idea. They haven't said a date for it yet. Ah. I want it today. Maybe I'm going to hazard a guess at 2020 simply because that is when every game is coming out in March. March. Yeah. It's March 2020. <laughs> 
so many of those dates are going to change. Yeah. March 2020 is so fucking... It's 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 mid it's mid November twenty twenty nineteen and March twenty twenty. So what Watchdogs and Cyberpunk coming out within a month is one thing, but when you add very very likely Elden Ring is going to come out then as well. If 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 from Soft continues their tradition, yeah, uh, Animal Crossing's then. Not that it clashes, but <laughs> that's. Oh. That's too much. <laughs> yeah. Dates will change. They will shift stuff around. You two probably feel this even more than me, but it bothers me when that happens because when a load of amazing games come out at once, I tend to kind of plow through them a little more than I should. Yeah. Rather than taking my time. And I take my time. But with ye, if ye have to like be doing videos and impressions on them, surely you've even more pressure to be playing through them. If three of those AAA games come out on the same fucking day, I'm not going to get more than about four hours in before I go, oops, I should probably jump over and try the other one. Yeah. I think some of them will have to readdress it because, you know, I doubt they all got together before the show and said, right, when's everyone's game coming out? Let, let's organise this. So they all had these trailers ready at pretty much the same time. And I'm sure as the week wore on, they were all thinking, oh dear. Oh no. Oh fucking dear. Oh shit. Some of them will change. Some of them will stick to it. I mean, we can't forget that this February we had, um, I think it was February, where nothing happened for most of the month and then one week they all came out at the same time like metro and far cry and anthem was around there at some point they all came out at more or less the same time so some of them are just going to try and go head to head but i can't imagine march 2020 will stay the release month for a lot of those titles i really really hope that elden ring doesn't come out around the same time as cyberpunk i hope it's like a few months after yeah i think they definitely need some space apart from each other it would benefit both of them if they spaced out yeah 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 because this looks like it, it could be like from what i've read about it, it 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 reads like it could be the best from soft game yet and i feel like it deserves to have a chance do we actually know anything about what elden ring is because yes. that cgi trailer told us fucking nothing there was a man with a hammer doing some smithing and uh, a woman in armor with a big pole arm, and that's all I took away from the, the that trailer. Yeah, I read an interview with Miyazaki about it. It was uh, okay. Here's what here's the little bit that I know about it, right? Mm. And this is stuff that made me want to jump up and cheer. It's RPG. It's not an action game like Sekiro. Mm. It's much more similar to Dark Souls and Bloodborne when it comes to stats and gear and stuff. However, the variety in weapons and playstyles is meant to be like the most they've ever had. Cool. So it's got more more weapons and armor and all that than even than Dark Souls 3. He doesn't do things by half, does he, Miyazaki? <laughs> no, he doesn't. He said there's an open world element to it, but I, to be honest, it'd be hard to know what that even means with him. Yeah. Like... He said there are still multi-layered, complex castles, uh, but that uh, it was more of an open world focus than before. I hope that's not to its detriment. We'll have to wait and see. As with a lot of From stuff, like I, I trust them to handle it better than a lot of other places. Yeah. Even with Sekiro, which is by quite a margin my least favourite game I've played by them, it was still objectively a brilliantly made game. Yeah, yeah, that was, was my thing, yeah. It wasn't for me, but... I can understand that it was very well put together. Yeah. I, I have a lot of faith in From Software not to put out a bad product. So, like, I, even knowing nothing about it, I was like, great, I'm glad it's announced. I want to know when this game's going to fucking happen because I won't play it. Especially when he's in charge. I was very sad when Sekiro came out and it c c 
clearly was not for me at all. Um, so I'm just glad to have another From game on the horizon, something I can uh, be interested in again. Sekiro one was a funny one for me because I loved it up until the bosses started getting ridiculously hard and then it just, my patience ran out. Yeah, it, that's the thing, is once the bosses exceed your ability, you can't just go back and level grind to make it easier for yourself. Yeah, exactly. It is the epitome of you just have to get good. And it's like, yeah, but I, I just want to go and get things and try again and level up a bit. That'd help. I've always said, like, in order to get good, you've got to have fun getting good. Yeah. And I didn't have fun getting good at that game. Yeah, late, later on in the game, I started to feel that too, that, like, it had gotten to a point where I wasn't enjoying trying to learn the fights because I felt like yeah. they were too rigid or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, also, quickly on this one, because we'll probably come back to this game, but uh, George R. R. Martin wrote the entire... Uh, backstory and lore for this. That I did hear about, yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm glad he was writing something when he wasn't writing those Game of Thrones books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was funny because he had only mentioned that he'd been a consultant on it, but he's actually written an entire really deep lore for this. So that that could be incredible. It's a really good, interesting partnership as, as you know, bleaker world as From can put together to have yeah. that married to... George R. R. Martin's writing. Yeah. I'm very interested to see how far that goes. Actually, now that you mention that, apparently it's their least bleak uh, game. Oh. Because apparently it's much more... He said there's a lot of things he could never do in Dark Souls that he wants to do in this one. It's a lot more okay. about um, hope and this, the the spirit of humanity and the positives of it. So that's, that's making me think of, like, there are difficult games that focus on hope. Like, Celeste is a great example of that. It's a really difficult game but one that does go but you can make it through and I'd like to see uh, FromSoft do something like that. I've always said that's a running theme through Dark Souls Yeah. yeah. I always said like prepare to die is only half the catchphrase of that game. The other half is prepare to get back up. Yeah of course Yeah. Um, but but apparently this game is even more so. Cool I, I, I feel like they could have done with giving us a little more in that CG, CGI trailer. Like, that trailer felt, particularly considering, like, the game leaked and we knew it was coming, that trailer felt like it gave us nothing. So I'm glad to know that there is more about that game out there. I really want to know, because these rumours, there's rumours that it's not actually Norse, it's more Celtic. And, oh my god, there are so, I don't know how much of that stuff ye learn in Britain, but... Uh, absolutely zero of it. Oh, okay, well, we have... We have amazing myths. In in English in, in English history lessons, they just have textbooks that have we won reprinted over and over again. We 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 learn a list of the kings and queens. Mainly it's King Henry the Eighth and the Plague, and that's all we learn in history. We have these amazing myths like this guy Ku Cullen, who it li- literally means the hound of Cullen, and he had a hurley, which is like, you know, the Irish sport with the the sticks that you hit the ball with the sticks. And he killed this like king's guard dog with one of those and then became his hound and just there's these amazing there's so many amazing celtic myths and like i feel like they could be did you ever read the comic book slania or slain i think some people pronounce it no no that was all based on all those irish and scottish i feel like i have i need to go do some reading on irish myths now (laughs) i think there's a huge crossover as well between the irish and scottish ones yeah that is gonna be if that if there's that and George R. R. Martin and FromSoft. I mean, I I'm gonna come in my pants. <laughs> Future Podquisition listeners are gonna be in for a really bad time if they're the ones that are sick of us talking about From games. I imagine. Uh-huh. I cannot think of three things I'd rather you know put together as a thing of 
stuff I love, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's about the stuff that I got excited about, even if, like, a lot a lot of this E3 was trailers with no actual gameplay. Uh, I'm excited for that Breath of the Wild sequel that got a trailer. Yeah, that one can get away with not having much to show because Nintendo is one of the few uh, companies that can get away with just a sentence. Yeah. That just says, oh, we're making a sequel, and that's enough to get people to pop off. Like, they've, they've earned that much. Yeah, there, there was a lot of interesting stuff to glean from that trailer. Like... Uh, it seems like it's the same overworld from Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. which seems like they're doing a fucking Majora's Mask thing of, like, reuse a bunch of assets but tell another story. I'm super okay with that. Uh, the trailer seemed to imply that Link and Zelda were actually going on a bit of an adventure together, as opposed to it being like, ah... Yeah, that looked cool, yeah. Yeah. Uh, resurrecting what might be Ganon's skeleton from underneath Hyrule Castle. It, it, it looked like a tease for proper Ganondorf instead of the, the more animalistic calamity yeah. thing in the first one, which I would like to see. I'd like to see a proper Ganondorf again. Yeah. The, the other thing is... Going frame by frame through that trailer, people reckon that Link maybe just fucking eats it at the start of this game, and this might be the uh, the Princess Zelda one. Uh, she's cut her hair short, she's up front with the with the thing, and then Link appears to get caught by something and fall down a big hole. Mm. I'd be up for that. I want to play, play a Zelda-led one. Yeah. It's not going to happen. This is Nintendo, but I want it to happen. Yeah, I'm up for it. It probably won't happen, but I'm up for it. Then again, I mean... There's always a possibility they could uh, add a co-op option. I mean, they had them both yeah. together. Um, that would be interesting. Here's a question for you, Laura. Yeah. So I have my wish list for a sequel to Breath in the Wild with a few things I would have preferred they changed, right? And I'm sure Jim does too. But do you have anything mm. that you would love to see in the sequel that you would think was a criticism of the actual first game yeah no i i totally do um i think the big key things are have actual like dungeon dungeons in the in the game Mm -hmm. i think make the story be something that is happening in real time rather than something that we learn about through flashbacks make princess zelda actually be around during that adventure as opposed to just we promised she was really cool in the past and she's fighting in that tower, but you can't see it. Yeah. I'm I'm super on board with all of those, by the way. Yeah. 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 Like I, I would I would agree with reduce the, the frequency of time that rain appears. Keep keep <laughs> the weather system, but make rain a bit more rare. Yeah, just give us climbing gear that doesn't slip. <laughs> yeah. So that's like realistically those are the tweaks. Is just give give me some dungeons like pop some dungeons into that world. I will totally explore that world again. The dungeons is the most important one for me. Yeah. Weapon durability out. That's what I want gone. I want it gone. Just straight up gone. I don't think it's going to be gone. I'd be very surprised if you get that. I I think that we would realistically I think we will see durability drastically increased across the board. I don't think we'll see the durability system gone. I mean, so long as they're not held together with wishes and dreams that's better yeah. than what it had um, but I would rather it be completely out yeah so considering they appear from this trailer to be using the same overarching overworld pie in the sky wishes I would like to see us basically go on an adventure as Princess Zelda in that overworld give us a completely different set of, of tools at our disposal because you're a different character that would be enough justification for me to revisit that world is here's a completely different moveset and toolset re-explore that world in a using different mechanics to get around you know what would be a compromise on the weapons that i could totally get behind Mm. is that the durability is still there but when you get like one of those really unique special weapons they make it so that you can repair it that would be great yeah have have 
have any weapons that you get from story NPCs be like the Master Sword, in that they might run out of energy and have to recharge, but they won't go away forever. If I get a cool weapon, I want to. I want to have. I want to feel like I've earned cool weapons. I don't want to see a cool weapon and think, "Well, I can't use this." Yeah. Yeah. It's too awesome to use because I don't want to lose it. That's a terrible situation to put anyone in when playing a game. At the very least, put an NPC somewhere in the world that is the the weapon repairer. Yeah, anything, yeah. You have a snapped scimitar, go see the dude and he'll repair your scimitar. Or just give us repair hammers or, you know, make them purchasable or... Like literally every other game that has weapon degradation. Yes. Yeah. I will take any option, whether it's using materials, whether it's a blacksmith, whether it's a recharge, anything to be able to, you know, keep weapons. Yeah. I think largely people have been very consistent in what their complaints are about this game. And I have to hope that because Nintendo doesn't have to make a whole new overworld here, that they are at least going to go, okay, what were the big criticisms? Let's ju- let's make this the version that fixes the things people complained about yeah. and adds in more content. And also, make the game not the worst game to ever be released on Switch. That'll make a nice <laughs> difference. Yeah, no, like... I, we all sort of knew it was coming, but I didn't expect a trailer for it today. Did you know it was coming? I didn't know. It was, I had no idea that was in the works. Uh, so it, it's been sort of a, a open secret for a little while. Um, huh. Monolith Soft, the Xenoblade developers, they did the open world design for that game, and they recently put up a job listing that had a bunch of Zelda art in the background. Uh. It's like, oh, okay, they're hiring up to do another open world Zelda that Monolith Soft are going to help on. No. So it also Breath of the Wild was such a fucking system seller that it's like it 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 doesn't make sense to throw away all that open world design yeah. when you could get a second Zelda game on Switch. It deserves a new Vegas. Same same engine. Yeah. A, a, a more developed uh, version of the game. Or, or just within Zelda, the Majora's Mask is the, the example. It's yeah. just yeah. take a bunch of new ass- of existing assets and do something new with it. I Actually, one thing I'd also like in in that game, which I don't think they would do, yeah, is to just have a little bit more variety of stuff you can find out in the world than the seeds and the shrines. Yeah, and I again, I think they've done the overarching work on the overworld. I think it would... It would make sense for this to be the one where it's like, okay, let's focus on what we're dropping into the world rather than trying to make the world. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Asset reuse is fine so long as you use the resources you're saving to put more in. Yeah. Which is something, you know, a certain company, cough, Bethesda, cough, could stand to learn from. We're going to have to talk about that one, aren't we? Yeah. Fallout 76, the second year of that game is apparently the one where they make it a Fallout game, where they put NPCs in it and quests and dialogue. Can I uh, say something about this? Yeah, go ahead. Go for it. I don't know if you remember this, but almost exactly a year ago, no, it wasn't exactly a year ago, it was when the game came out, I said, Mm. you just watch, one year from now there will be human NPCs in this game because the backlash... I think I remember you saying that, yeah. You totally called it. The backlash will be so strong to it not being there that they're going to put it in. Mm -hmm. I love how the first 40 minutes of this Bethesda conference was them trying to be like, we've heard your enthusiastic comments about our game and we very much appreciate it means a lot, even if it's difficult feedback. Anyway, we made Fallout 76 a Fallout game. We put fucking Fallout in it for you. Are you happy? Yeah. I I don't know, though. I feel like when it does happen, 
I my expectations are very low. Yeah. I think you, I don't even know if it's going to be just like five NPCs who stand there and you like because you can't really do choice and consequence in that kind of game, really. You can't change the overall scope of the world because there's other players in there who might not make the same choices. The only way they can do it is like how they would do it in certain MMOs or something where there are single player quests that you can either tackle cooperatively or alone but they're not really involved in the open world at all. Mm. You go into a place and make a choice with a thing. Yeah, it's sort of like instanced raids. I will, when that update comes out, I will certainly be giving Fallout 76 another chance. However, oh, yeah, no. my expectations are low. I am waiting to hear your feedback. That will be yeah. the thing that tells me, do I give this game another ch- a chance? Is what does Gav think? I'm 100% done with it. I re- recently replayed it. I replayed it shortly before E3 because I did my um, Doomquisition on Fallout 76. Yeah. Uh, I was stunned by how bad it still is. Now, I'm not saying that this new update might not add, you know, yeah. the best they can hope for now is to bring it up to par with Fallout 4. But I thought to myself, okay, I'm really tearing into the game in this Doomquisition. It's been a long time since it came out. You know, it came out in November. Surely they've improved some stuff. Surely some of what I've said will retroactively look cruel. Went back in, tried it. I was stunned. Nothing seems to have improved. They've added things to the game, but none of the things they've added have addressed the core complaints people had about it. Yeah. It was boring. It was dull. Uh, The first thing I found was like a 20-minute escort mission in which the robot kept going up against walls and freezing there. But hey, Jim, they've added a Battle Royale mode, so it's all good. Yeah, well, I mean, it was broke. It was glitchy as hell when I was replaying it. Um, Vats, actually, no, not even just Vats. Basic fucking combat had such a lag on it where you'd shoot an enemy and I would waste ammo shooting again because they were still moving around for a second or two before they realised they died and then they fell over. It was unbelievable. Vats is still a complete mess. You fight those little fucking blue robot things and they flit about so much that you get disoriented. Um, I had, like, enemies not spawning completely, like a torso with weird wispy hairs coming out of the holes where the limbs should be. And then I I stood and watched one for about five minutes, and then its head and arms appeared and it attacked me. That game is unbelievably bad still, and I don't think adding more shit to try and bring it up to par with a released game, try and make it just match Fallout 4 in terms of content will fix that stuff. Because they they clearly have no intention of actually dealing with the many breakages in that game, which is true of every game they've put out in these past, like, five years, is or rather ten years, is that it ends up with so many bugs that they just don't bother fixing in the end. At least they're trying with that one, as opposed to EA with Anthem, where they just pretended it didn't exist. The thing about fucking EA is they can just callously move on to the next thing. Bethesda has no such luxury. They're stuck with this for a while. Yeah. Um, I think that's the only reason. If they had the output of an Electronic Arts and that breadth of studios they could exploit, they wouldn't be doing this. They would not be doing... They, they need to try and pull this out from the scrappy heap. Yeah. God, EA's conference was, here's a bunch of updates on live service games, just not the one that you really, really have actually wanted updates on. That was rubbish. That was utterly rubbish. Yeah, you're right. It was old games that we already knew about. The Fallen Order was the only interesting thing that they had showing, which they'd already announced, of course, and that looked a bit tedious. Certainly the gameplay yeah. sequence they showed 
was not a good gameplay sequence to show off how exciting that game could be. It just seemed a bit by numbers, didn't it? It didn't yeah. really have anything in it that really stood out. If, if, it, if I didn't know it was by Respawn, I wouldn't have been excited about that game. And that, that's the only thing that kept me going was, ooh, that's a Respawn wall run. This will probably feel quite good. The story might be all right. Respawn did a good story with Titanfall 2. But this... This 15 minutes of gameplay is not selling me on this will be the next Titanfall 2 or whatever campaign from Respawn. Yeah, it was it was too stoppy starty. It was and some people have had a go at me for this for saying that I wasn't impressed with how it was a bit of combat, then a lot of walking, then climbing. And a lot of people extrapolated that to, oh, why are you saying it's bad? Because there's climbing in it. I'm saying, no, oh. I'm saying they showed a bad chunk of gameplay to get people excited for the game. Yeah. Because as Gav said, it's very by numbers. It's very bog standard, triple A action game. You know what was a much better showcase for that game? The trailer during the Microsoft conference that was mainly cutscenes and fighting. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, that got me excited. And... and- there's also a very good chance that on the whole, overall, this game will do a horizon and yeah. get all those little elements from other games and make something really entertaining out of it. I want to get my hands on it and try it. I don't like the face of that protagonist. It's that kid from Gotham and his face is weird on an adult body. He's great. He's great. <laughs> he's he's great playing a psychopath in Gotham. He's not great trying to play like a serious straight <laughs> man in this. I mean, I I do just see the Gotham character in him when yeah. he's when they show him up close. I expect him to fucking turn around and turn out to be the Joker. Yeah. I'll say this much though. I um I did a reaction video for that gameplay demo. And during that, during my video, I said, if I were monetizing this, if I were fucking EA, that droid on his shoulder, I'd be monetizing the fuck out of that with skins. Moments after my video goes up, pre-order bonus, skins for your droids. They're going to make bank off that. I had to do some self-reflection on that because immediately when I saw the droid, I was like, oh, this is so cynical. This is them making their cutesy little droid so people will buy things. And then I had to think to myself, well... You could really say that about any of the cutesy droids in Star Wars. Oh, yeah. I mean, George Lucas is, you know, he he wasn't making robots by the end or aliens by the end. They were designing merchandise that just happened to be in the film as well. Mm. Um, It's thematically on point if they do that. I like that this one kind of looks like Wally, though. (laughs) Yeah. No, this one's an adorable look. I liked that it... You use it to like bring up a hologram of the map and everything. Yeah. Uh, although that just made me think of poor Visceral Games, rest in peace, because they were so good at that kind of stuff. You know, there was one, there was one tiny little detail with that droid that I really thought was just a neat little touch. It's when he's doing that very video gamey thing where you squeeze through a wall to disguise a, a loading screen, and the camera jumps up and follows the droid instead of you, and then comes back down again. I thought that was a neat little touch. Yeah, there, there will be undoubtedly very polished things like that because Respawn are good at making games. Yeah. They know what they're doing. It looks like at the baseline it'll be fine. The, the combat mechanics looked fun. Combat looked a bit... Meh. I don't know, there's just something weird about seeing a, a lightsaber slice right through someone's midsection and all that happens is they get a few sparks on them. Well, that happens because Disney have never been big on blood. <laughs> there shouldn't be blood. A lightsaber should cauterize as it goes through. No, I'm not looking for blood. It's just weird. Something that's supposed to cut through stuff and it doesn't, yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunately just a concession they have to make with a video game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, what else was there, this this E3? Uh, it was a CGI trailer, nothing more, but there was a trailer for No More Heroes 3. I liked the first two games. The Switch one was shit. I'm glad that they're going back to making a 
3D action proper game. That along with the rollerball game, rollerball was a film, um, but that I also thought of you when I saw that come up, the No More Heroes thing. Yeah, that it was it was a it was a CGI trailer. It doesn't mean anything, yeah. but like they they showed the on screen motion prompts, which suggest they're going back to the way that they did one and two. I really fucking liked one and two. <laughs> Please give me that and not the shitty top down beat yeah. bullshit that you gave us this year. That was awful. Um, yeah. Speaking of the Nintendo conference, they had uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance three. Mysterious in it. There's a very, very big reason why I'm excited about that. Certainly more so than the uh, the Square Enix Avengers one. Uh, um, showing off Mysterio in Ultimate Alliance three. Avengers stunt doubles. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I'm more excited for Ultimate Alliance three. Part of it is because it's just gonna have so many more characters. Another part of it is, is stylistically, it's more clearly set apart from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it, none of it looks weird. The problem with the Avengers, the Square Enix one, is even though I like that it's not set in the MCU, I much mm. prefer my spin-off media to be its own self-contained thing if it can be. Mm. Um, but because they went for that, they've they basically used the exact same art style, not just photorealism, but the same colour scheme and the same... Um, uh, filtering that the movies use so it looks like it should be a spin-off of the MCU but because they've had different character models like Gab said and joked about and upset some people on Twitter when he said it is yeah they look like stunt doubles they look like knockoff versions you know I didn't even feel like when I made that joke that I was doing a, oh what an own I didn't think you, you know were what I mean no. I just felt like it was a fun little joke because they look different. It looks a bit. It looks a bit strange because it looks like it should be an MCU game. Yeah, I I, I forgot it was Twitter though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't even bothered by them by them not being the MCU actors and any of that. No, I like that they weren't. Yeah, the thing that killed my excitement was as soon as they started talking about their multi-year road plan for content. I was like, oh, it's a live service game. I was. When I thought this was a single-player linear narrative that I could finish, I was like, I am on board, I love this. I have never been, like, turned off of a game as quickly as I was when I heard this was going to be a live service. Same here. Yeah. Same here. It was a sharp drop in interest. I was into it, and then they immediately said, we're going to support this for years, and I, I, I was live-streaming with Jenna Bain, and I just said, fuck off. Immediately, I blurted it out, just fuck off, and all interest was gone. I think the reason people found the designs jarring was because other than the faces, everything else really, really, really resembles the MCU movie versions. That's my point. That's the point I was making, yeah, is yeah. right down to the colour scheme and then the filtering and, and the way it was shot and presented, it looks like it should be an MCU spin-off, but it's not. It's things like using the exact same version of the Avengers logo and shit like that. Yeah. If they'd have done what Ultimate Alliance 3's doing, which is have its own original art style, it none of this would look weird. Instead, it looks like a knockoff. That Spider-Man game last year, it had its own aesthetic. It had exactly. its own identity. It looked extremely different to the Spider-Man movies. Yeah. So it didn't feel jarring when you saw Peter as a different person. There are so many art styles and, and colour schemes and, and logos and aesthetic that they could use, but they went for something that is clearly trying to resemble the MCU style. And so if they're not making it an MCU game, it's going to look jarring and strange. And Tony just looks like Adam Jensen. He does a bit, yeah. And I, I'll be honest, I would much rather have had another Adam Jensen game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 
Weird, weird that we didn't get a Splinter Cell after that man on Twitter was like, hey, we're doing a Splinter Cell, see it at E3. God knows what they're playing around with that. He, he apparently was just spouting bollocks. I think a lot of people were disappointed about that. Yeah, well, I, I don't blame them. The, the, the man who does Splinter Cell said they're doing another Splinter Cell, and Ubisoft's rebuttal of that was, like, so weird and, like, I, I guess they said, no, that's not happening, he's joking, but, like, it seemed like such a weird thing to joke about. He didn't come out and say, sorry, I didn't mean it, it's a joke. The strangest thing about all this is Ubisoft told the truth for once. Yeah. Well, this this is what happens when, when you so often lie about these accidental early reveals, no one's going to believe you when you actually tell us something isn't real. <laughs> for anyone who is disappointed, at the very least... Uh, we've got a mobile crossover game of Tom Clancy shit. Ah, uh, yes, Tom Clancy's the top-down do-a-shoot do do a game. What on earth was that? That was another running theme. Another running theme of E3 was an, a trailer that had me watching and then instantly get disappointed when a bit of the trailer would zoom back and it was all taking place inside a little black rectangle. Oh, what was the one? The Commander Keen one. That was where it's awful. like, oh, yeah. oh, that's a that's a that's a thing. Oh, this art style looks cool, but they said fuck, and it was a cartoon. That seems quite sick. Oh, it's a fucking phone game. I grew up on Commander Keen. Yeah, I fucking love that game. Me and my brother would play it all the time. We would go into the level that had the little blue dog monster in it. We'd walk up to him, set him off, let him fall off the platform, so he would just be roaming around the level. And we basically invented Alone in the Dark, but in a platformer. It was great. We used to deliberately do it to scare ourselves because you never knew when it was coming. Um, fond memories of it. The art style immediately had me concerned and I couldn't quite put my finger on why it was uh, unnerving me so. And then the moment they said it was a mobile thing, I'm like, ah, of course it looks... It's got the art style of a shitty fucking mobile knockoff. Of course it had me looking a little, uh, feeling yeah. a little unsettled by it. And yeah, it was another trailer this week that just zoomed oh. out a bit to show it took place in a little black rectangle. Um, looks awful. Because, you know, we all love mobile games. Yeah, we do. Here's the thing. I was a big defender of mobile games, but the mobile market became so fucking disgusting. So disgusting with its monetization, which, of course, big budget mainstream games have been copying more and more over these few years. So much on that market is vile. Vile. Which is why when Pete Hines mentioned it at the the thing, it came across so awkward because I don't know if the sycophantic whooping from the front row had dimmed his ability to read the room. Mm. But we, like you, love mobile games. Just considering everything, considering the mood of the general fan base just felt really awkward it just makes you feel out it, it makes you sound out of touch there is one thing bethesda fans love from bethesda big deep fucking rpgs that's all we want and that seems it seems like they're giving us everything but that they they want id shoot you want id shooters and big jrp a uh, big big western rpgs bethesda wore its cynicism on its sleeve with that show they've been going that way for a while but they're getting I, they were not like this before. No. They've been drinking the AAA Kool-Aid and they're all in on it now. Someone was very upset last week when I suggested that that's because there was a member of the Trump family on their board. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, 
It's not it's not really that much of a stretch to suggest that someone in the Trump family might be very interested in doing a lot of business in a very businessy way. It doesn't help their case. I'll say that at Bethesda. It doesn't help their case. Not necessarily a judgment call. It's just, you know, they're known for being a very corporate entity and, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what was a you know what was a nice pleasant surprise? Uh Microsoft's continual uh continuing nice relationship with Nintendo. Uh Super Lucky's Tale, which is like by all accounts a pretty fun, you know, platformer game that was a Xbox it's all right. exclusive. That's, it's alright. It was fun, it's getting a Switch port. But the big one was fucking Banjo kazooie coming uh coming to Smash Bros. Yeah. I'm 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 up for that. I, I like a bit of Banjo kazooie Give me a port of the original game on Switch, please. I am more than happy to see the actual platform holders working together. Mm. I think that Microsoft and Nintendo getting as as sort of friendly as they've been getting well it leads to stuff like banjo kazooie uh, kazooie and smash so it can't be a bad thing altogether plus i'm still holding out for my prediction that minecraft steve will be in smash i still think that's got a chance of happening as someone who's not uh, got any knowledge or interest in smash one of the things that's starting to become frustrating on the internet <laughs> is Literally any celebrity does like anything or walks in a room or any game character is mentioned in any way, someone's going to scream, put it in smash. Yeah, that is a bit of a thing. I'll give you that. <laughs> is that just a meme or is that ge people generally want literally everything to be in smash? Oh, no, it's it's become a meme at this point. The thing is, is if I really like something, I I would be more than happy to see it in Smash. Any game I like, I would be thrilled to see any character in it in Smash. I can tell you when it became a meme. It was the Wii U version of Smash Brothers when they put Mii Fighters in and they had a trailer where they were like making Mii's of various celebrities and putting them in Smash. It's like, Barack Obama joins the fight. And that trailer <laughs> turned it into a fucking meme. Uh, um, Jim... I think you're wrong on the Minecraft Steve thing. I thought it was going to happen. Now that Banjo's happened, I'm like, I don't think... Of the five DLC character slots, I don't see... We I think we see two-fifths of them be from Microsoft. Yeah, I mean, you make a point there. But I... That's the thing. I, I am glad that they seem to be on positive terms. It seems like Microsoft is treating the Switch like, hey... This is a handheld. It's not competing with us. It's, you know, a hardware generation behind. It's a handheld. Why don't we just give them the games that will run on their system, let them sell them, we get a cut of the profits, we're being nice to each other. I mean, they've been doing this on PC as well with uh, opening up their games to Steam. I, I, I really, I'm really on board yeah. with this idea Microsoft seems to be having of, oh hey, we've got these games, let's offer them to more people. Which to me sounds like a really good business model. I was thinking, like, what what this year have we seen come to Nintendo stuff? Hellblade, which Microsoft owns, Cuphead, Banjo Kazooie, Super Lucky's Tale. That stuff that I, you know, last year would have said, no, nah, that's never coming yeah. to Switch. I mean, this also opens the door for not just Banjo Kazooie and Smash, but if they put like things like the Rare Collection that the, the Xbox One had. If that comes to Switch, that would be incredible. I thought that was going to be the one last thing of Nintendo's conference, because they showed Banjo and then were like, oh, one more thing. I was like, oh, what? how are you going to fucking top that? I thought it was going to be Rare Replay. Yeah, I mean, I, I the door's open, so that's great. I wouldn't be surprised if toward the end of this year, when we get closer to that, that autumn window for Banjo, that we get an announcement of Rare Replay. I also want to talk about some of the... Um 
some of the indie games Microsoft showed off. Mm. Uh, because for all of their talk about fucking... 8K video game consoles. What actually stood out to me was stuff like um, Spiritfarer. Oh, Spiritfarer, yeah. Spiritfarer, that Mr. Wrights thing. Is Spiritfarer made by the uh, the Battle Chef Brigade people? Because it looks like it's the same art style. It might be, but but there was a lot of stuff with that art style, this sort of cartoony art style. Um, the Mr. Wrights thing that was in like a children's activity book, that looked cool. Yeah. And a lot of people have shout on Battletoads, but I like how it looks. I, I like how it looks too. I'm just saying, right, I'm saying this now, like my Fallout thing last year. When that new Xbox machine comes out, there's no fucking way in hell that all the new games on it are going to... They were saying 120 FPS. Ha ha, No. They're all all of the AAA releases are going to be 30. They're going to be locked at 30. They won't even be able to hit 60. I fucking guarantee you the only things that will be 60 will be fighting games or remakes. And you can all come back and point and laugh at me if I'm wrong. I, I don't know if you're necessarily wrong. I think I definitely don't think we're going to see 120 locks across the board. But I think them aiming for 120 does suggest maybe we will reach the generation where most games run at 60 fps that'd be nice microsoft will try and do one at the very least if i'm wrong i'm gonna be super happy yeah i i would love a generation where we we get 60 fps locked as the standard that'd be great if we ever get another bloodborne i hope sony will uh have their new console make that 60 fps yeah so to, to summarize quickly while we're on that point uh we still don't know what the console's called but the next xbox uh, they threw around a bunch of buzz terms it's going to have a solid state drive they're aiming for the faster loading types thing that the ps5 is doing 8k 120 frames a second ray tracing who knows if that'll actually manifest if it can do those things it's going to be fucking expensive like the ps5 sounds like it's going to be yeah. uh, it, they basically threw around the exact same marketing buzzwords that the PS5 threw around in that uh, Wired article earlier this year, except I don't think the PS5 one said 120 frames a second, so that seems like they're, yeah. ah, look at us, we're better than the PS5. And they're calling it Scarlet. They're, that's the code name for right now. That is, yeah, that is still the code name. That's the colour their faces are going to be when none of it lifts up. Oh! <gasps> Scarlet was the name of the first ever person I had a kiss with. <laughs> <laughs> it will always have a special place in my heart that word yeah. you you know what thing they said about the about the scarlet that i think is like the actual interesting thing not not the 8k 120 frames a second it's that they said that out of the box it will be backwards compatible with four generations of xbox i'm like oh let all of let all of the backwards compatibility happen that's interesting to me yeah uh, they also hinted that they they also hinted that uh, Xbox One games would run faster on it, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, I mean, they did say that, yeah. That sounds nice. You know, you know this um, PC thing they were talking about, right? What the Game Pass? Yeah, will that mean that I can play all Xbox One games on my PC, or how does that work? Not all of them. In terms of Microsoft developed Xbox One games, like first party stuff, they are trying to port all of it over to PC. They haven't done it all yet, but most Xbox One games that Microsoft made are now available on PC in some form. Uh, that That is their standard going forward. Any first-party game made by Microsoft, like, from now going forward, is coming to PC. As of quite a few years ago, that, that, yeah. that's that been their policy. So most of their games are there. I think of about... the. 
the the past two years, I think, every time they've released a first party game, they've released it on PC as well. Like that is the standard they're trying to hit. It's not every Xbox One game, but it's every first party one should be on PC. Yeah. So that's not a bad thing. But yeah, going back to what you were saying, Jim, totally agreed on those uh, indie games in the Microsoft yeah, yeah. showcase. 12 minutes is the one that that has my attention. You're stuck in a 12 minute time loop. Um, y- your wife might be lying about killing her, her dad. There's someone pretending to be a police officer banging at the door. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that looked interesting. That yeah. One. I love a good time loop narrative. It's um the other one we got. Uh, I think it was during the Bethesda conference, was it? Uh, Death Loop. I'm like, we only got a CG trailer for it, but that's another time loop narrative. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that until I see it. It it will be a competent shooter. <laughs> Listen, that that's by Arcane, who usually I would have super high. I'll be like, this is gonna be amazing, but I feel like 2018 just broke me. So even with Arcane, I am tempering my expectations. I imagine it will be a competent shooter. We know it is about two people trying to kill each other because they want the time loop to stop or keep going. I like the premise. I want to see what the fucking game looks like before I get excited. I was thinking about that for quite a few games this year. I want to actually see them. Am I being an asshole when all I could think was I wish this was Dishonored 3? I honestly would rather see this than Dishonored 3. I want to see a new thing. I Yeah, I'd rather I, see I, I like time loop narratives. I'm, I want to give this a go. The only game I've ever played with a time loop narrative that I can think of off the top of my head is that recent one, and I didn't like it very much. The Outer Worlds. Oh, Outer Wilds. Outer Wilds. Outer Wilds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Minute was really good. Yeah. I loved Minute. What other games have it? I don't know many games that have them. I'm trying to think now. Majora's Mask. We talked about that earlier. That was one of the, an early example. Uh, that, there's, there's a really good show on Netflix at the moment called Russian Doll that's a time so loop good. narrative that I really enjoyed. They just announced season two of that. Yeah, there was that game that I keep meaning to play that Jim absolutely adored. Set in the house where you used to solve the mysteries. Oh, the, yeah, the sexy brutal. Yeah, that's it. I have to play that. The sexy brutal, so good. Mm. Still have to. I have it on the Switch, and I haven't had a chance to play it yet. It's real good. Yeah, that's a great, great one. Um, yeah. So there's a few out there, uh, but yeah, definitely very much like what Laura said. The concept is interesting, but I need to actually see it. Um, there was a game I was disappointed not to see, but then I was thinking it was that because it was a Sony exclusive, and I can't remember. It was a game we saw last year and there was like a flooded city. It was kind of an indie-ish game. There was a flooded city and a girl going through the flooded city. And I'm... Oh, fuck. You're right. I, I can't remember what it was called. I think it was at the Sony conference. I was really looking forward to seeing more of that. You know the one I'm talking about, right? Let, let me do some quick research. I'm doing some research quick. I've got the visual in my head of exactly what you're describing. I do know, but I cannot remember anything else. It had a cool kind of indie-ish art style to it. Yeah. But yeah, I think that was at Sony's conference last year. Well, Sony didn't do a conference last year. They just showed gameplay of like four games. Well, whatever it was, they, the, the yeah. revival tent show that they did. Because um, they had that ghost of um, something as well, the samurai game. That's apparently... Um... There's rumours going around that that might get cancelled, actually. Yeah. Which would be disappointing because that looks really cool. Yeah. Almost wouldn't be a shocker considering we've seen nothing since. Uh, did you remember that the, that FromSoft was making a VR game for, for PlayStation called Deracine? Oh. I, I don't even know if I knew that in the first place. I don't know if I knew that. that some old house thing. 
I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to find that game you're talking about and I'm just like, oh, didn't know this existed. My eyes and ears kind of glaze over when I hear VR. Same here, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm over it. I just saw I saw From Software and was like, oh, I didn't know this game existed. So we, we mentioned, we touched on it, but what did we actually think of uh, what they showed of Watch Dogs 3? I loved it. <laughs> I, I think I think that they did a good job of justifying that play as any NPC mechanic. I I'm still not convinced how different these NPCs are going to be if every single one of them has a backstory and a mission that you need to do to get them and a different voice files and different abilities. Yeah, I think we'll be seeing a few things repeated yeah. from character to character the more we play into it. I also feel like maybe they'll be who you send out on side missions and stuff and there might be maybe some unkillable because because there's going to be a point where you someone's going to do it they're going to like i'm going to see how many of these i can just get killed until it loops over from the beginning well i assume it will probably generate new ones or whatnot but i so the general the general idea they had there of pick a character to play as there's permadeath if they die recruit more people to your party um I'm all about the idea of Hacker Granny. I yes. want to play an entire game as Hacker Granny. Fucking love Hacker Granny. Hacker <laughs> Granny. Hacker Granny is great. She is the hero we deserve. Hacker Granny and the the robot facehugger. Those were the two stars of that presentation. They they claimed in that presentation that you could, if you wanted to, make an entire squad made up of just hacker grannies yes that's how i want to play this fucking game don't let hacker granny die i want to play as hacker granny yes that's the only way they that's the canon way to play it you can't kill off hacker granny it's also just really nice to have a big game set in like this kind of guy ritchie-esque fucking england because you don't get enough of that and the english yeah. there's such a unique like I mean, you know, I love fucking English people, you know? <laughs> oh, so, so much of it also felt like locations that I know, like the section in Camden where you go into Camden stables and then there's that just completely no purpose giant statue of a horse. I'm like, I mm. fucking know that statue. Well, you, Ubisoft are by far the best at that, aren't they? Yeah. Re re recreating cities. They're very good at replication, yeah. That that pub at the end of the gameplay, I was like, oh, that is that is a London pub right there. For me, who hasn't been back to London in ten years, that it was a blast to see it. It it felt it's it's strange to say it now, but I've been away for so long, it felt nostalgic. I actually yeah. feel nostalgic looking at London, so that caught my eye. And it's only slightly less dystopian than the real London. Well, some of it's... Oh, God. All the <laughs> shit that we learnt about that game, and they're trying to say it's not political. I yeah. know. <laughs> it's, like, literally the most one of the most political-looking games I've ever seen. <laughs> Post-Brexit London, but it's not political. Even the developer on stage said that himself. They said uh, in an interview that... The message they they've they've tried to say, oh no, it absolutely does have a message. But they've then tried to sidestep around that by saying the message is people should put aside their differences and work together. Which last time I checked is the same level of political uh, messaging that's in an episode of Pokemon. Oh god! So can I just list the bullshit we saw in this that is definitely not political? Because I have sure. a fucking list here. So post Brexit Britain, where the far right has like gained a bunch of power, uh, rising <laughs> extremism. Uh, the UK has become a surveillance state. The NHS is gone because, like, some granddad has to pay with cryptocurrency to buy himself a new kidney. That's the death of the fucking National Health Service for you right there. There's human trafficking going on in Camden Market. People literally in cages. <laughs> this is not fucking political. Yeah. Can they not have just said, 
Yes, it's got political messaging. Then just point at it and say, look at all of that shit. That way they don't have to put themselves on the line by explicitly saying anything. Just point uh. at the game and say, make your own fucking mind up. Instead, they've got to try and weasel their way around it. And I'm like, that makes it worse. Oh, uh, the, the, the having to buy a kidney with crypto. That was the thing that got me. Yeah. Does anyone remember when a political story used to be something people would hear and go oh awesome i love political stories yeah yeah people talk like oh it's it's a political thriller that that used to be a selling point when did it suddenly not become okay to have politics in your stories i've got to echo what austin walker said on twitter when he said let's just move past the our games political it's got to the point of our games art and just start talking about them as if it's an established fact just start talking about the politics yeah. in these games as if we've all accepted that they are and let the people who still say it isn't just scream amongst themselves. Yeah. It's so obvious that a post-Brexit set London thing where, as Laura said, you can buy kidneys with crypto. With an authoritarian government. With authoritarianism, human trafficking, all of that shit. We, no one's being fooled unless they're willfully fooling themselves that that's all political. And let's just move on and discuss the politics that are in it as if it's a fact. I truly believe that whatever your stance on Brexit and all that, I don't think any of that will make playing as Hacker Granny any less fun for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I want to play as Hacker Granny. Just fucking ignore it if you want. But it, it is there and it's time we just stopped arguing that it's there because to to believe that it isn't is to be gaslit at this point it's so obviously there we're getting into a don't believe your lying eyes situation um so yeah it but but the game looks i mean i loved watchdogs too yeah i liked the first watchdogs more than most people watchdogs 2 is the bullet storm of of the last gen of this gen it was yeah. so, over so overlooked yeah. and it was so good watchdogs 2 was great and i will totally take another watchdog set in london where i can play with a team of hacker grannies that 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 is plenty for me and i gotta say uh one of my and we've talked about this before one of my biggest problems with watchdogs 2 was the uh tonal um the tonal conflict between the lethal uh, style yeah. of play and the mm. characters but this looking at this one the situation felt a little bit more desperate and dark and oh yeah it feels like the tone is going to match if there is you know lethal combat yeah. there is extremely lethal combat it's yeah. more silly you've got like hacker grannies running around it feels more justified to, to shoot a cop when the cop is just beating someone up in the street for no reason yeah yeah it felt it felt simultaneously it felt way darker and also kind of more based in humor as well which, yeah. which hopefully for me will negate that uh, sense of clashing that I felt between the lethal combat and the characters in Watch Dogs 2. Yeah. Well, in Watch Dogs 2, you've got, first of all, a set character with his own set, like personality and code and everything. And because he's sort of a dorky, lighthearted guy who has no violent streak in any of the cutscenes, yes, the violence seems weird. Here, where it's like randomly generated characters... Which can become like, you know, like from stereotypical bobbies to hacker grannies to whatever. It's not going to matter as much. It's not going to feel dissonant. Yeah, and it's a lot easier for me to reconcile killing a authoritarian government goon with a gun who's trying to shoot me than some 
poor security guard in a business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm. Someone who's yeah. just a punching a clock. Yeah. Someone who's literally just there to be like, I, I'm just guarding a box for my boss, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, I had a thing that I got a bit disappointed about during E3. Uh, we got more news on the new Pokemon Sword and Shield. Uh, very simply put, they're not going to support every single Pokemon in Sword and Shield, presumably because a bunch of HD models need to be made and there's 800 fucking Pokemon. Uh, so there is no guarantee I will be able to move my whole shiny collection over to the nah. new game. And that is the first time that has been a thing in the Pokemon series. And I, I get that that is a, a, a product of try and make a bunch of HD models for, you know, the jump up in gen, but I am disappointed. It, like, I hope that they patch that in post-launch or something, because... I think we need to have an intervention for Laura about her Pokemon. <laughs> no! <laughs> You've got a shiny Laura, problem. we're trying to help you. You need to leave this evil, all-consuming game. But this is the thing. I got my whole collection. I'm like, I just want to bring it forward to the new game. I don't want it to get lost. I want to bring it to the new game. And I can't do that. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh no, I'm, am I going to have to keep my Pokemon Let's Go save file safe forever now? Oh no. Sword and Shield better support Ekans or I burn it all down. I burn it all down. Yeah. I have to say, Laura, if, if they make it as difficult for you to get all your stuff as they did in this one, I'm going to be very cross with them. <laughs> Is Sword and Shield post-Brexit? <laughs> um, <laughs> Is Pokemon post-Brexit? Uh, uh. Sword and Shield has to be pre-Brexit because there's still free healthcare for your Pokemon. Oh, yeah. They've not sold off the NHS yet. <laughs> uh, what, what else was there? Uh, uh, well, the big, the other big E, is, of course, is Final Fantasy VII. I'm hesitant to share more opinions on it. That's all right. We'll lose more subscribers. <laughs> I'm more positive than Jim, so I'll start off on the positive end. Um, I liked what I saw. I am a fan of the more modern uh, Final Fantasies with the uh, the action-based combat systems. I've always enjoyed stuff like uh, Final Fantasy XV Xenoblade that have that sort of real-time but somewhat menu-based, almost like an MMO style at times, uh, action combat. That is my jam. I, I like the mix they've got going here of do your standard attacks to open up the turn-based menu to do your turn-based attack. I don't... Uh, I, I'm a fan of that. I like that in some of the footage we've seen, it seems like they're not shying away from some of the political themes of the original game. Um, like, there is a bit of cutscene that we saw, I think, during the Square Enix conference, in which after they've blown up one of the reactors, they have an actual conversation about, hey, I know we had to do it, and that, you know, very aggressive, like, Direct action is the only way to get any kind of meaningful change to happen. But also, a lot of civilians died, and how do we wrestle with that? Like, that seems like a mature conversation, and it makes it seem like maybe they're not just going to erase all of the interesting stuff from that very timely narrative, as we talked about a while back. Yeah. Certainly, now that they've decided to say we don't know how many games are going to... Have they said that? I thought they said it was going to be two. No, that someone asked them, like, how many uh, uh, how many chapters are going to come out, and I think their current thing is now we don't know, which is honest. Like, I've got to give them points for that. It's honest. That's interesting, because that's different to what... Because what they said during the conference, they implied, they said... it's we've, we've, We reckon it's going to be two Blu-ray discs worth of content. So I assumed that meant, oh, okay, we're getting part one and part two. I think they mean for that one game. Like, the the first chapter is going to need yeah. to fit on two Blu-ray discs. That might be what they mean. May maybe. Apparently that first chapter is just Midgar. Yeah. 
Midgar is just a game in and of itself. That's what we're getting in March. That's not even disc one of, of Final Fantasy VII, the original. Yeah. Um, so I will say, like, one of my fears was with how visually lavish it is, they might not have time or resources to go into the minutia of the themes. But if it is now a case of chapter one is two discs long and we don't know how many chapters there will be, maybe it is going to be more um, comprehensive than I thought. Yeah. But... As I said in a video that is now that got ratioed immediately based on the title alone, um, I was underwhelmed personally. That's not to say anyone's wrong for enjoying it or screaming yeah. and, and rapturously applauding, applauding for it like they did. I understand people being hyped for it. I'm jealous of those people. I want to be hyped for it. But visually, it was so busy to me. And... The faux MMO combat, I'm kind of... I'm over that way more than I might have ever been over uh, turn-based stuff. Square Enix has gone to that well so many times. I'm yeah. over it, and that often feels a bit messy to me, which, compared, yeah. which combined with the visuals and the sound, it's just saturation in my eyes and ears. And as a result, I was able to get no emotional response from what they've shown so far. That's the difference between our opinions, I think, because I enjoy that kind of combat system generally, and yeah. I didn't find myself overwhelmed by the visual stuff. So, like, I, I don't think that either of us is wrong, obviously. it's We just have different takeaways on those two things. Yeah. And this is just my initial impressions. There's every chance that... I play it and love it, and I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that's true. I'm not saying this game's going to be bad. I'm not even saying I'm going to dislike it. I'm just saying I'm underwhelmed right now. What I've seen has been unable to elicit an emotional response from me because it's so busy, I'm, I can't take it in after seeing it multiple times. Yeah, I think that's not helped by the fact that, you know, it's there's lots of cuts in the footage and we keep going from like actual direct capture to now it's the audience the camera in the audience looking at it like it's it's not helping to get a proper sense of like it'll probably feel different when you're holding the controller i really want to love it i'm hoping i do nothing i've said so far to the disappointment of some means i'm i'm gearing up to not like it i'm hoping against hope that i love it because i want to because final fantasy 7 is a very important game to me yeah. so Hopefully it's good, it's just it didn't... It's not grabbing me so far. So far, I've not seen any warning signs that I won't enjoy it, so I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic enough so far. I'll go so far as to predict I think a lot of people are certainly based on what they seem to be thinking of it so far. There's no doubt this is going to be loved by a lot of people, and I just hope I'm one of them in the end. Yeah. Uh, other stuff we got, I'm going to rattle through a few things that were like smaller announcements. Um... Animal Crossing got a trailer. It looks like Animal Crossing got delayed to next year. Uh, Astral Chain, that's that Platinum Games thing that has the, the cool people, the monsters that connected to you by chains. That trailer looked cool. Luigi's Mansion, that looks like a Luigi's Mansion game. Uh, the Witcher 3 is getting a port to Switch. That surprised me. Yeah. The Switcher surprised me. Yeah, I. it looks not terrible in that footage. Like, it's clearly down but it doesn't look, like, unplayable. After Saints Row the Third and how, what a dodgy port that was, 
I'm not holding out much hope, but we'll see. I'm curious as hell. Is Luigi in Smash yet, or is the internet still angry? Oh, Waluigi, you mean? Oh, it's Waluigi that yeah. wasn't in No, Luigi's in Smash. Waluigi, oh no, he's not in Smash. That's the one everyone asks for. Well, now people are going to want Gooigi in, oh. in Smash after the <laughs> Luigi's Mansion. I saw... I saw some people screaming that they wanted John Wick and Keanu and smash the street. <laughs> Jesus, Bloody dear, hell. Dear God. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, secret, the third game in the Secret of Mana series that never got localized, it's available now, like, localized on Switch, and in spring next year it's getting a nice uh, HD remake. Yeah, I downloaded the collection of Mana because that was... We didn't get many of those It's Available Right Now announcements this year. I thought Cadence Viral was going to be one of those. I was hoping for more. It's not far off. It's coming out like the day this episode goes up, but... Yeah. Yeah, I was hoping for more of those Play It Right Now things. But I did I did get Collection of Mana. Yeah. God, those games are old. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's why I, I haven't rushed to get Collection of Mana, and yeah. I'm just going to wait for that early next year remake of Trials of Mana. Um, Fair days. Final Fantasy VIII is finally getting a port. Yes, that was nice to see. That's the the game that like ha has avoided getting ported for years. It looks good. Like like someone did a side by side bird between it and the old game. I guess because they said they they lost a lot of the code or a lot of or all of it. So it looks like maybe they rebuilt some of it, but it looks so much better than the original. The issue was twofold. They lost the original source code, and there was a bunch of music licensing issues. Ah. Um, but I'm glad that they finally found a way to bring that back. They found a bit of it behind the couch. Here's the source code. Yeah. So that was great. And I, I tell you what, I'll say this. Not just glad for people who want to play it, because I'm looking forward to playing it again. Good mm. for the game. Yeah. Because poor old Final Fantasy VIII gets shafted so much. It's nice to see VIII get a win. For archival purposes, it's nice that that game is playable in more places. Yeah. Um, the Bulletstorm developers are making a new co-op one to three person shooter called Outriders. Oh, that was another one we saw no gameplay of. So again, I, I couldn't get anything out of it. By the end of E3, I was so over cutscene Garbo trailers that I, I, I can't have an opinion on it, on something like the People Can Fly game. Like, what what are you giving me? A bunch of these I'm literally just rattling off. We've got sure. a CGI trailer and we will move past them. We got a CGI trailer from Ubisoft for Gods and Monsters, which is a sort of painterly game with a little little girl beating up mythological greek monsters and it's made by the assassin's creed people yeah. we got a cg trailer don't know what the gameplay of that is uh microsoft bought double fine yes i, I i've got to say this tim schaefer's got my respect for him explaining why that was when he did a little, there was like a 30 second video that hit twitter where he just said microsoft offered us money and i said yes and, and I'm like, at last, don't pull the Shenmue bollocks. Don't pull the Shenmue yeah. 3 bollocks of, oh, we decided somehow that Epic's the best storefront. No one believes that. I believe uh, Tim Schafer when he just says, hey, they dropped money on my doorstep. So you, here's the thing. My gut response to this was, this is a shame, Double Fine games in fewer places. Ultimately, I think that this is going to be a really good move for Double Fine because for the last, like, probably five to ten years, they have been fucking crowdfunding left and right, struggling to keep the doors open. Like, crowdfunding has not done them any favours because they keep over-exceeding their crowdfunding goals, yeah. committing to uh, stretch goals, and then that makes the game get, like, overly bloated and it doesn't work out for them. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that they will just have a budget to make a game 
and finish the game yeah. without having to promise extra things because they got too much money. I'm leery of corporations buying up so many studios. I always yeah. am. I'm, I, you know, same as Disney buying up all the movies and and yeah, Tencent yeah, 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 buying yeah. up so many game things as well. You know, anything that that brings us closer to that, any conglomeration of these properties, always leaves me leery. But as you say, I think it was this or Double Fine shutting its doors. So between the two, yeah, I see them saving their own hides with this. I'm I'm simultaneously like not keen that that's another studio that is mi- going to be a Microsoft exclusive. But if it's any studio that that could happen to, I think that Double Fine is probably a very beneficial one to get bought up. If it means Brutal Legend 2, the action hack and slash with no RTS elements in it. And I'm like, yeah! <laughs> and who knows, with Microsoft funding, maybe they'll finish their games. That'll be nice to see. That's it. <laughs> maybe they'll finish their games and not promise a bunch of extra features they shouldn't have promised. Yeah. That'll be nice. Uh, there's a new Tales of game. It looks quite pretty. A man pulled a sword out of a girl's cleavage. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I just love the matter-of-fact way that he said that. That was great. Was the sword, like, stabbed into her cleavage? No, there was a portal in her boobs. Oh. Yeah, checks out. She has a gun. She, she's probably going to fight as well, but it's just... I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess this is some weird anime bullshit, right? It's, it's, a, JRP, <laughs> yeah. it's a JRPG. Uh, it, it's the most action-y that the Tales of series has looked in a while. It looks like properly next-gen. I'm excited for that. It's the first time I wanted to play a Tales game in a while. Uh, we kind of skimmed over this. Next-gen consoles are probably happening winter of next year because that's when the next Xbox yeah. is coming out. Halo's going to be a launch title for it. Uh, Wolfenstein Youngblood is still coming. They haven't delayed the Switch version yet, so that'll still be the same day as the other versions. I saw a lot of per- people were getting very excited about that Halo um, trailer, but I, I'm, I'm not trying to be cynical, but I didn't really see anything in it that got me excited. Honestly, it looked like a CGI trailer. Maybe it was in engine, but it was a, it was a cutscene trailer. We did. It was one of those I'll believe it when I see it trailers. Yeah, exactly. Like if this is what the game looks like when I actually play it on that Xbox, then sure, great if that's in game graphics. Yeah. But that didn't get me excited. I feel yeah, even more than the visuals. Halo needs to do something to differentiate itself next time because the last two felt really, to me, yeah. Just I can't. I can barely even remember anything that happened. In uh, them. Guardians was piss. It was piss. I'm trying to think what we learnt from that trailer. Master Chief was out in space. He's not dead now. Cortana probably is dead. Cortana's not working. Actually, that was one of the only things I liked about the uh, previous ones was the Cortana story. Hmm. And how his only friend in the whole world he was losing her and I was like, wow, that's awfully human story for Master Chief. Yeah, they seem to be implying with this trailer that she's gone. Who knows if that'll last, but yeah, I I didn't get excited about that because again, it's... uh, We got gameplay for Doom Eternal. It looks like more Doom. I'm excited for that. I will say this. Now, I'm sure people could fathom the general politics of this show and, and our personal beliefs and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. And I'm all for shooting Nazis. Yeah. However, the guy doing the announcement for Wolfenstein Youngblood, to take us back a few seconds, said shooting Nazis every other sentence and it looked fucking desperate. It looked fucking desperate for kudos. <laughs> yeah. I just, I've got to get that out of my system because they had some social media success last time saying kill Nazis and they did it once and it was, it felt, you know... 
like a natural occurrence and that was cool but he said it every other sentence and I, it was embarrassing i think the problem there is twofold it's a they've gone much harder on hey kill nazis kill nazis kill nazis but also since the last one of those games came out nazis have become a bigger part of the world oh and- i get it like i i totally but you you need to you can say it once and that's enough and i i'm all like i said i'm all for it is it that it started to feel almost like exploitative in- it felt too packaged exactly yeah, yeah. oh yeah no a little bit of it feels like Ah, aren't you all scared that there's real Nazis in the world where you can kill them in our game? Go and kill Nazis! Let's make some money off it. Yeah, like, because I don't want to come across like I'm trying to defend fucking Nazis. I think, obviously, if you have listened to this podcast a lot, you know exactly where we all lean here. Um, And like I said, I'm all for shooting Nazis, but... I mean, to be honest, I'd be worried about anyone who didn't lean towards... Fuck Nazis. <laughs> Fuck Nazis, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, like, I am excited to play a video game where I kill Nazis. I just don't need it to be, like, as hammered home as a marketing point. Look at us, we're letting you kill Nazis. It can't be the only selling point of the game, put it yeah. that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It was like he had nothing else to say, and it literally was over and over and over. And it was diminishing returns because the audience was getting less and less into it as he said it. And I'm like... Don't say it so much, you start putting us off the idea of shooting Nazis. When when you mean the audience, do you mean the audience or the two people at the front who were sycophants screaming at everything? I mean the ones who weren't liquored up and and paid to be there. The ones there was like Elder Scrolls Blades has a new chest next week. <gasps> yeah! We're reducing the time to open a chest from 20 minutes to 19 minutes and 50 seconds. Yeah! Whoa, whoa, whoa! Video games! I I can tell you who those people were that were screaming up front. Those people up the front were... Did you see all those, those interviews with players they kept intercutting into the Bethesda conference? Those people were the people sat at the front. Those little talking head documentaries talking about Bethesda as if it was like... As if they'd invented lightspeed travel. Oh, I, I'm sure this person is sincere, but you know which one fucking rubbed me up the wrong way to use as a fucking marketing point of look how great our games are? Was the woman who talks about, oh, I was suicidal, so now the only dark places I'm allowed to go is dungeons in the Elder Scrolls Online. That that one felt really fucking <laughs> like, maybe leave that one on the cutting room floor and go, thank you for telling us that story, but we probably shouldn't like monetize that moment i'm glad that she had that story i'm i'm not grumbling at her i'm grumbling at bethesda that like that should not you shouldn't be like monetizing that moment that that just felt cheesy like we were talking about earlier you know it's it it comes across as insincere cynical and exploitative it felt like them going oh fuck yeah we got a really good quote there you know what though that brings me to a point that i have been uh, afraid to say on other social media because it just would cause a fuss. But I was looking at it, uh, people saying recently, oh, you know, these companies who support Pride and everything, they're just uh, being exploitative. They're doing it for themselves. And I'm like, yeah, they are, but I'm okay with it. It depends. Some some of corporate Pride is fucking tasteless. Yeah, sometimes it is, absolutely. So the, the thing about corporate Pride and companies that slap rainbows on everything is some of them do it right. Some of them will yeah. do it and they'll donate some of the profits to charity and this, that and the other. The ones that bother me are the companies like... Uh, great example is there was a recent story about Starbucks. Starbucks um, recently had a constructive dismissal case over 
basically forcing a trans employee to, to sort of leave the company for being trans, not by firing them, but by making their workplace a, a hellscape. And, like, this is all going on while they've got their big rainbow banners and they're going, no, we don't think that that was a problem. Like, it's stuff like that where you're plastering rainbows on things, but you're not doing anything, like, you're not donating any of the proceeds from that to LGBT causes, while your outward-facing actions as a company are actively hurting the LGBT community. Those are the examples that I complain about. Yeah. Certainly some of the social media platforms trying to jump on board it while they've also allowed oh, some of the yeah. shit that's been going on. Twitter did, uh, they've got a, an actual, uh, like, it's called Twitter Open or Open Twitter or something, and mm. it's their LGBT wing of propaganda, more or less, and they did a tweet that was, like, talking about the struggles we've been through. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck you, Twitter. You do not get to say that. Uh, I, I do want to complain about the Twitter and YouTube one slightly. Uh, Twitter will currently um, ban people for using the words cisgender or turf or trans. People are getting soft-blocked for using the word trans in tweets. Like, regardless of context, just mentioning the word trans trans would get you soft-blocked on Twitter. Uh, YouTube, you cannot monetize any video that contains the words gay, lesbian, or trans in the description or the headline of the title of the video. You just get instant demonetized. These, These are the reasons why people get annoyed at corporations like this plastering rainbows over their shit, is that, like... If you're plastering rainbows over your shit, you need to listen to the LGBT people who are saying, here are the glaring fucking problems with your service that really, like, like, demonize us and make us unable to exist on your platform. Sorry, I, I know I got a bit emotional there. No, no, I'm, I'm no, sorry. No, no, I 100% agree. Yeah. yeah, when you see people getting annoyed about like corporations getting involved with Pride, that's the shit we're getting annoyed about, is companies that plaster a rainbow don't actually do anything and actively ignore people saying, hey, can you not do this to us? Yeah. Justin had a tweet yeah. that went totally fucking viral. Um this past, uh, last week, uh, because then uh, Nickelodeon jumped on board the Pride thing. Oh, we're so proud of all this. And he retweeted them and said, yeah, you were so proud when you said they couldn't have that gay kiss in Legend of Korra. And that tweet exploded. Yeah. Uh, the Legend of Korra was an animated show Nickelodeon had where the two two of the primary characters are in a lesbian relationship, but they have to imply it in the final shot of the show with them just like walking into the sunset holding hands. They couldn't confirm it as canon until a, a follow-up comic book because yeah. Nickelodeon just wouldn't let them make it canon on TV. And they jump on board the fucking Pride train. Fuck you. It, it's the hypocrisy. Yeah. Sorry. I I feel like I'm. <laughs> I feel like what I was awkwardly trying to say is that. I I just would welcome anything that normalizes oh, yeah. at the same time. I mean, I've I've always in two minds about it because I'm like I get what you mean. It's a good sign yeah. for society in general when the corporations are know that it's good publicity yeah. and not bad publicity. I would rather them be jumping on Pride Month than jumping on straight Pride Month. <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. At the same time, I'm always a little bit sad that we have to define progress as a society by what corporations are saying and doing. Yeah, I I totally agree with you, Gav, in that, like, I would far rather every company plaster rainbows over their shit than, you know, than than the opposite. And, you know, uh, I'm glad that they're taking a stance, or at the very least, that they, they see it 
more profitable to to take that stance than not. For everyone who's angrily typing something out at me now, it's perfectly fine to be proud of being straight. Don't worry, you're fine. It's okay. Uh, Someone told me the other day it was. They said it's okay to be straight, and I'm like, bless your little fucking cotton ins- insecure heart. Unless you live on on exclusively Tumblr, no one in life has like oppressed or shamed you for uh, being straight. <laughs> You know? <laughs> oh, can I point out something about that fucking straight pride parade they're trying to put on? They put gay man Milo Yiannopoulos as the figurehead of their straight pride parade. It's clearly not about being straight, it's about being right-wing, because he's gay, but he's also a right-wing figurehead. They already found out that the guy who organised it is a fascist. Well, the guys who organised it were, like, right-wing Nazi... Oh, yeah, of course he is. Like a straight-up fascist. Yeah. Straight straight pride here is being used as a smokescreen to have a far right parade. Their flag looks shit. <laughs> yeah. It's the it's it's been cut out of the Hamburglar's pajamas. Being proud of who you are is perfectly fine, but I think you're missing the point because society doesn't, you know, fuck you over for being straight. Yeah. Well, that's it. Pr- pride is a reaction to oppression. It's not just yeah. saying, "Oh, we're proud of who we are." It's we're proud of who we are in the face of all of this bullshit. It's saying it, it. It's saying people have tried to make us not proud of who we are, but we still are. A, pr- a recent pride parade had armed Nazis with swastika flags, with guns in their arms, march next to the pride parade, threatening to shoot gay people. Like that's why pride parades exist. And the cops looked after them, and the press portrayed at least one fucking story I saw on it. Um, yeah. Portrayed the people who were at Pride as counter protesters. They were already there. At London Pride last year, I told this story. Um, anti-trans people jumped the parade, like uh, jumped over the barriers, lay on the floor stopping the parade until they were allowed to have a police escort and lead the parade shouting about how trans people were rapists. Like shit like this is why we still need Pride. Yeah, exactly. I have... Um... <clears throat> Uh, family members who are extremely what the word I think you guys use is turf. Yeah. And when I try to like have a conversation with them, I suddenly understand what people mean when they say it's hard to talk to their relatives about stuff. Yeah. Anyway, video games. Should we get yeah, back anyway, to sorry. some more E3 ones? <laughs> fuck corporations, fuck turfs, back to video games. We, we got all political there. <laughs> Uh, we got a CGR trailer that didn't really tell us much about um, Shinji Mikami's new game. It's called Ghostwire Tokyo. Don't oh. fucking know what it is. A bunch of people people vanished and their clothes were left. The lady who talked about that game was one of my top highlights of the entire E3. She was brilliant. I love her. She was very energetic and she seemed very sincere and she had a very pleasant energy to her. I would like her to host everything now. I want her to be my best friend. (laughs) It's always nice to see someone come out who clearly isn't just like a stilted guy in a suit. She just came out, was adorable, was really into it. And I'm all in favour of more survival horror shit going on. Yeah. Did I hear somewhere that she designed Bayonetta, the character? Or am I reading something incorrect? If she did, I didn't know that. She definitely worked on it. And she also did visual design in Okami. Nice. Yeah, I I know she did uh, some like environmental design on Okami. Like... She's been around in the industry for a while and does good work. Environmental visual design in Okami could have been literally the only thing she's ever done in her life and that would make her a hero to me. (laughs) 100%. That that is one of the most absolutely gorgeous games that was ever released. 
But um, yeah, we have no clue what Ghostwire Tokyo actually is, but Shinji Mikami's attached to it, so it'll probably be all right. Yeah, pro- probably won't be a million miles from like the evil within. Yeah, and I'm up for, for more of that. People are vanishing. That's all we really know. Um, I wasn't, wasn't really into the second one. Do I can't remember what you two thought of the second one. Did you like it? Or? I played it up to a point, took a break from it because it was frustrating me no end, and I never picked it up again. Yeah, same thing happened to me. Yeah, similar for me. I I enjoyed it until I just stopped playing, and I can't I can't pinpoint why I stopped playing. Yeah, um, it wasn't very engaging. Yeah. Uh, Borderlands 2 got some DLC that's going to lead into Borderlands 3. We saw more Borderlands 3 footage. It looks like Borderlands. Uh, I got to say, Borderlands 3, I saw some gameplay. It was like a 16-minute gameplay, and no joke, some of the enemies were taking like 20 to 30 seconds to kill, pumping them full of bullets, and they were Mm. just sponging everything up. And I was like, oh, I really hope that's not what it's like all around because yeah. my I went back to Borderlands way. 1 recently and I was shot by how spongy the bullet the, the enemies were and I was like I don't yeah. remember it being this boring it's it's all by design you know it's one of those games that are designed that way Shenmue 3 is an epic store exclusive yeah uh, and at this point I just want to say like after how shady that whole campaign has been and how much money they've raised and how much they keep taking money from it Eastnet is irresponsible. I won't accuse them of of straight-up murky behaviour, but they are irresponsible. And the way they've handled that campaign and them piling on top of the other crowdfunded games that have taken the epic deal, they are poisoning the well for future crowdfunded projects. And and I think that is really reckless of them. Yeah. Also, because of how shady Shenmue's whole thing has been, that game's going to have to be spectacular to justify all of this. Anything less, and we're looking at a mighty number nine. It won't, though, will it? Is that not? It, no, it won't. Was that not the game where you just have to wait around for people to do stuff? The first Shenmue was terrible. I know it's got its fans, but we've got Yakuza now. Shenmue 3, in order to justify all its bullshit, has to match or exceed the Yakuza series, and something tells me it's not gonna, and the trailers don't look very good. Shenmue's a mobile game without the reward at the end of your wait. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see, but but Eastnet are staring down the barrel of an Inafune Mm. situation. It was Inafune, wasn't it? Or am I thinking of somebody else? Yeah, 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 They're staring down the barrel of a... I can't remember the name of the studio now. Concept? Yeah, Concept. Either way, Mighty Number 9. If they don't pull out the goods, the shitstorm's going to be bigger. Yeah. You can't raise 7 million then have Sony backing, then have Deep Silver backing, then have Epic backing. Piss so many people off, refuse the refunds, create that much good uh, bad will. If that game is not stellar, yeah, they are in trouble. Watch watching that that footage that that was there. My two takeaways were, oh my goodness, everyone sounds so painfully American. Like there's a couple of there's a couple of sentences in there. Like one of them is like. Oh look, it is that Japanese man, and it's just said so heavily, Americanly that like it's just weird and tonally dissonant. And also, that game visually doesn't look great. Doesn't look great. One thing I noticed in one of the trailers was a guy who said uh, something like, "Once upon a time, martial arts were bad," <laughs> yeah. and that was it. Just were bad. I'm like, yeah, that's amazing. Martial arts were bad. But Keiji Inafune ruined his reputation with Mighty Number no. Nine. And I, I fear that Suzuki is going to do the same. Mm. 
they are in deep now when it comes to ill will. Yeah. That game has to be something. So it can't just be better than nothing. I don't even know if it can just be good. Yeah. I certainly don't know if it can just be okay. It has to be stellar. Anything yeah. less. And yeah, there's going to be some shit storms. Yeah. Uh, we got a CGI trailer for a Blair Witch game of some kind. Oh, yeah, I keep forgetting about that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'd have been excited for that if the that other Blair Witch movie hadn't come out and was fucking dreadful. I preferred Book of Shadows to the newer one that came out, the 2016 one. Funny thing, right? This year, um, due to recompense for me watching numerous episodes of The Car Trashians with her this year, uh, Rach made a deal that she would sit in with me for my really e- my really exciting E3 stuff and we were there for that whole trailer going this looks so like the Blair Witch we were confused uh, when we were watching it on the Genquisition Snarkathon because the subtitles at one point said we're not doing that Blair Witch thing or something like that Yeah. and so I was watching it and I got excited because they showed a bit through, uh, like a, an in-game camcorder was showing some footage of a guy walking in the woods, and his jacket and hair made him look like James Sunderland for a second. Yeah. And I thought, holy shit, is this a Silent Hill thing? And then it became more Blair Witchy as it went on. Yeah. Has Silent Hills been revived or something? So, like, I'm not opposed to a Blair Witch thing. Like, the idea of a Blair Witch thing to- like works for me mechanically if it's something like... Try and find the monster, get footage of it, but also get away before it gets you. That seems like a fun little loop that you could do. Mm-hmm. I wish the Blair Witch movie had an FOV slider. <laughs> mm. I really like the first Blair Witch. I actually went to see that in the movie theatre. Um, did scare the piss out of me. Obviously, as the years have rolled on, it looks almost quaint these days. Uh, but I still really like it. Well, at the time, it was fucking terrifying. Yeah. Book of Shadows, the one that came out after, is notoriously famously shat upon and regarded as bad. It's not that bad. I like it. I I respect what it was trying to do, and I don't think it it altogether failed at what it was doing. Mm. But unfortunately, Blair Witch 2016 happened and was the utter, like, a disgrace. Listen, right, right, um... The Blair Witch sequel was the Marilyn Manson to the Blair Witch's Slayer. It was a bit more pantomime. It was a bit more over the top. You know, it was a bit more gothy. Whereas the first one was really raw and scrappy and dirty and scary. But the second one was all right. I don't know if you've seen the one that's just called Blair Witch, but, oh, oh, God, it's so vile. And the, the, oh, really? It, and it goes into the whole, let's show everything because we've got to these days. Let's do loud noises and startles instead of actually trying to be creepy. You can't show the Blair Witch. That makes it not scary. Anymore. I don't know what the fuck that was that they showed, but it was, it was god-awful. The whole thing about the first Blair Witch was that do I also remember that one scene where they found what looked like a chopped off finger or something, but you couldn't quite see what it was. And that was way more scary to me than any monster I've ever seen in a movie at the time. Yeah. Blair, Blair Witch was full on modern horror. We've got to show things. We can't have mysteries anymore. Yeah. It was, all, And what they did decide to show was laughable. And unfortunately, that's left such a sour taste in my mouth, it's diminished my hope for a Blair Witch game. Incidentally... There have been other Blair Witch games. I've never played them, but there was one called like The Legend of Rustin Parr that was about some of the lore we hear at the opening of the first Blair Witch film. 
Um, I'd be interested to check those out and see if they were actually any good. I'm sure they've dated horribly. It didn't look a million miles from Outlast. Yeah, I, I, there were some people uh, wondering as it was going on live, uh, reacting to it, wondering if it was an Outlast thing. But now, 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 there's something that went severely downhill with the sequel. <laughs> My God, Outlast Two was disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. The first was fucking amazing. Loved like, it. Loved really, it. Really, mm, really, really good. Uh, what else did we have? Cyberpunk time. Do you want to talk about cyberpunk, Gav? I, I, let me just say, like, I'll let Gav take the floor completely for this, but I've just got to say outright, oh, Keanu Reeves is a, is a special man. He's, he's, he's a, he's a sweet, nice boy that is, you can win some goodwill by having him on stage. He makes me feel all sugary inside. I don't think it's hyperbole to suggest that you're breathtaking is going to go down as the all-time best E3 moment, at least for a few years. I think, unfortunately, it has ruined E3 press conferences going forward because it, it was funny, it was well-timed, it was apt to do, and they got that collector's edition as a reward for oh. it. Cool. Unfortunately, I noticed every press conference after someone was trying to be that guy. Yeah. And now I'm worried that next year is going to be full of people looking for a reward. I don't think you even need a reward. People already do that because they want acknowledgement. Just his his reaction to that could not... Everything from his posture to his... The, just that awkward little Keanu way he put his r right leg backwards and pointed and just... It was a great moment that people will now try and force to be repeated. Yes, that's yeah, the thing. It exactly. was it, as a spur of the moment thing. It was great, uh, but yeah, every press conference. Um, school, where was it? I, I can't remember if it was Ubisoft or Square Enix. One of them ended up really fucking lousy with people who had nothing to say but wanted to say anyway. Yeah, Square Enix was the one where people kept shouting. Yeah, I'm like, fuck off. The difference is Ubisoft generally will will put developers and uh, press near the front of their, pre their press conference, whereas you, um, Square Enix puts a lot more fans up the front row. Yeah. I'm like, if you ain't got nothing to actually say, don't just start yelling. They don't give microphones out of the fucking door. Anyway, sorry, Gav. Right, on to Cyberpunk. Oh, no, you take the floor, my, my man. I love how I have somehow acquired ownership of that. <laughs> it, it feels right to let you have first stab at this. We always talk over you, so this feels like one to give you the floor and go, you have your words and then we'll say things. Well, the first thing I'm going to do is do my biased, <laughs> uh, corrupt, fucking collusion plug-in of my buddies here because Marson's fucking music in that trailer was something else it was giving me like nine inch nails charlie clouser frontline assembly vibes and god damn the music's gonna be amazing in this game so. mm. also i gotta give them kudos because uh video game companies have many many times tried to sell their games with celebrities and cd project is clever they realize pretty much one of the maybe two or three celebrities on the entire fucking planet that gamers would actually give a shit that they're in their game. That's true. That was one of the savviest choices. Because hmm. Keanu's just... Yeah, he's just such a fucking likable, adorable dude. And he's got the action chops to back it up. And he looks good. And it just it's just such a perfect... And again, I just said I, I had Rachel in there watching it with me as revenge for watching the Kardashians with her this year. 
And uh, even she, when that moment happened, was like, what? Wait a minute. Holy Because Keanu Reeves is her forever crush, by the way. I think he's most people's. <laughs> yeah. and this, but you're talking like my, my fiance doesn't even play video games. Yeah. You know, it hasn't played a video game since the original Tomb Raider, basically, except that one time I made her play Portal for half an hour. But like, she was even like jaw on the floor, like, holy shit, when Keanu appeared, you know. And I think that's such a cool little cultural moment that I don't think anyone who's invested in games will ever forget that cool little moment. And I thought it was lovely, you know, because there's so much like, and we're part, we're guilty of it too, there's so much cynicism and negativity around gaming sometimes and people fight a lot and everything but this i this is what i fucking love about e3 like once a year we all come together for this fun moment and when we get these really wholesome moments out of e3 like this that everyone can focus on it's really nice just to see everyone being positive and and excited you know yeah sorry i probably got a little over emotional there (laughs) no 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 it's okay this is what keanu does i got some quick cyberpunk thoughts um, having seen the gameplay demo of that that was, uh, I, I saw it at Gamescom and then a version of it went up on Twitch, uh, I think it was a really weird move to showcase a character who was a big plot point in the early game in that footage that we saw get killed off in an E3 trailer. That seems like a, a weird spoiler to include. Yeah, that, w- that, was, that, was, all a, that was a bit Destiny-ish, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, seeing this CGI trailer just reminded me how much I wish this game was in third person and I could see my character. I am not super digging the first person thing. Can I make one, um, not necessarily a counterpoint, Laura, but an expansion? Yeah. Someone mentioned that, uh, the guy dying was one, was probably most likely one of many outcomes as opposed to the outcome. I agree, but also to, to see it happen now, like when I play this early missions, I'm going to be like, oh, oh, I've got to keep him close. Oh, I've got to keep I, him I close. I agree, it was weird, yeah. Uh, it was a weird choice. Um, also, some of the stuff that's come out since that trailer has me, mm, I have mixed thoughts. Um, I'm not going to wade too deep into this, but the very short version is a screenshot that was released, I believe, by NVIDIA, um, shows in the background an advertisement in the game. This advertisement is for some kind of energy drink or something, and it has what appears to be a trans woman with a very visible penis bulge under a uh, leotard, and it's got some catchphrase that's something like, ooh, mix it up. Um, It's definitely trying to play this character as a bit of a joke. If this was any other developer, if it was a developer with a good track record of LGBT representation or LGBT people on staff, I might be willing to look at it and go, oh, maybe this is an attempt at at being positive about trans women who, you know, regardless of level of surgery. But in the context of multiple bad tweets about trans people from CD Projekt Red, the fact that the source material uh, tabletop game that this is based on actively mechanically says that people changing gender is um, will bring them closer to psychosis. A lot of things like this, along with the sort of jokey tone of the, uh, the poster, my read on it is a little bit like, Oh, did you think this would be a funny goof? Did you? Ha ha ha! Oh, mix, ah, oh, mix it up. Isn't that silly? What, what a, what a silly future we're in now. There's definitely an optic situation, yeah. As you say, with the history of the the company doing it, uh, where if it was another company with a, a better track record of of yeah. being friendly toward LGBTQ issues, it could, yeah, they could have 
possibly gotten away with it or packaged it better, but... It could maybe, like, here's the thing, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe when the full game comes out, it'll be clear that this they are trying to make this a cyberpunk future in which trans people are much more normalised, but, like, their Twitter presence and the source material definitely don't lend me to give them that benefit of the doubt. It makes it all very questionable. And, and it's this issue where I really want to like CD Projekt Red, I love the product. I love their their philosophy when it comes to not being as exploitative in any way, shape, or form as other companies. But there's this, and also the the anti union crunch led culture that yeah. they've been said to have. I just I want them to address these things just because I really want to love this company. Yeah, like what having watched like th- this game get played in person in front of me, I was like. This looks like an amazing game. It seems to run incredibly well. It's it's coming out six months before next gen consoles are. I was I was sure that the way this game was running, I was certain it was going to be a next gen game. So if it runs that well on current gen consoles, I will be amazed. I wanna love this game. I wanna have a cool cyberpunk adventure I can do. But shit like this is making me go. I'm I feel like I'm bracing before this game even comes out, and I'm. I'm I'm not looking forward to that. It's one of those things where I'm like, why you got to make it awkward though? Yeah. I just I for once I genuinely do want to just shut up and enjoy a video game. Why you got to make it awkward? Yeah. Like I would you know I I like cyberpunk as a genre to feel punk, but you know honestly at this point I would just take I would take this to be a game that's like it doesn't approach punk politic ideas at all, and it's just I can switch my brain off and play the cool looking future cyber video game. I would enjoy that. I don't want to have to think about this. Uh, yeah, that's so. That's a thing. Maybe it's maybe it's nothing. I I haven't seen this, so I'm not I'm not going to offer any thoughts because I haven't. I've, that's totally fair. And even then, I you know I don't think I, it's my place to offer any thoughts i think laurie you're probably the most um yeah as 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 i said it 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 might even end up being positive but right now i'm not inclined to give them the benefit of the doubt just because of the framing and the context around it see it seems like a mm, poor decision for them to put that out there without any context it's certainly not unreasonable for anyone to just you know (laughs) brace themselves before it comes out just to be wary at least but yeah, we'll put that aside. Any other cyberpunk thoughts from anyone? Uh, looks amazing. <laughs> it still looks. Every time I see it, it, it looks good. Yeah. It's very much like the Doom Eternal thing. It's like I don't want to underplay how good it looks, but I it was a given. I we'd already seen yeah. it before, and I'm like, it looks great. I can't add much more to what I've already said in the past. Yeah, like like with every game, temper expectations a little bit. And sure. Yeah. You know, because there's probably going to be something in it, like maybe the shooting isn't the best shooter you've ever played or whatever. And yeah, just just maybe don't expect it to be completely world changing, because I, I feel like we're getting to a level of hype now where it's almost impossible to live up. I, I think what helps is the fact that it's coming out in March, that it's not. Mm. I, I think had this been pushed to be like a launch title for next gen or or. Had it been pushed to next winter, I think this would have been an even bigger problem. Yeah. I think the fact that it has a date now and that we, you know, will probably see more gameplay soon is going to help somewhat temper expectations. I think as well, a lot of people are expecting it to be something it's not. A lot of people are expecting it to be this Witcher-esque action Thing, but it seems to me like it's going for a much more Deus Ex kind of vibe, just in an open world setting. Yeah, I'm seeing that, yeah. Much closer to Deus Ex than something, you know, 
like The Witcher, certainly. Which I'm all for. I fucking love Deus Ex. And, yeah. mm-hmm. and Cyberpunk looks like Deus Ex in an open world with a bit more of an action yeah. uh, slant to it. So. I mean, if you're going to take cues from a first-person game, there are way worse choices you can make than Deus Ex. Yeah. You know, make the controls a little better. Yeah. I, I adore Deus Ex, but sometimes the controls could be a little bit um, clunky. In it. Yeah. Yeah, look, and they, they posted a screenshot today of just a building in the game. Uh, kind of a building that's being worn down and it looked like it's kind of falling apart and, and there's other buildings attached to the side of it. And whatever way they've done the visual design in this, I just, I was... Longing to explore that building, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Give me it. Give me it now. Yeah. Uh, right. What else did we have? There's a couple of other things left. Uh, the Hellblade developers are making a four v four melee game called uh, Bleeding Edge. I absolutely love the design of the pink-haired chainsaw motorcycle lady. I don't remember her name. I think she's called Buttercup or something. She looked she looked rad. I probably won't play that game, but I'm enjoying the character designs in it. They did another awful Just Dance Dance sequence at the Ubisoft press conference. I thought we'd avoided it when we started the conference with uh, the Assassin's Creed Orchestra. Yeah. I got my hopes up. Oh, apparently you can now just make your own story content and cutscenes and quests in Assassin's Creed. That didn't get announced during the conference. It got announced like two minutes prior on Twitter. Link's Awakening. That continues to look adorable. That looks cute, yeah. It comes out in September. That's far sooner than I thought it was coming out. I photoshopped Charlie Brown into the artwork for it. Some people thought I was, like, criticising it. It's just, no, Link's eyes in it just makes me think of the Peanuts characters. So I I found a a CG, more modern rendering of Charlie Brown and popped it in, and he just looked like he was a natural fit. But I like the art style a lot. It looks adorable. There's a moment in the trailer where he catches a fish and he looks so fucking happy. And you can make your own little dungeons and stuff with it. It, yeah. it looks almost like build, build your own chalice dungeons almost. I hope that you can share those with other people. Um, the the Nintendo store page for the game does say it has one to four player support, which I hope means share those dungeons. That would be cool. Make it like the Doom level maker thing in 2016 Doom. Um, before we finish up, do you want to talk about uh, your thoughts on My Friend Pedro that was the thing you played? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think people are going to like that. It's not quite my thing, but uh, it's 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 fun. It's it, it looks nice and polished. Yeah, it's, it's basically all about the bullet time and jumping and wall jumping and just trying to find unique ways to kill enemies with very simple controls. And you end up a little bit surprised at what you can do because at first it feels very limited. And then you realise, oh, wait, no, I could, like, get extra points for rolling this barrel over someone while I do this or swinging on this while I do this. And so, yeah, I think people are going to really dig it. It, it. It's a little outside of my um, my idea of a good time. But, yeah, I played a, a bit of it. Um, I can't say much more than that. Um, so, yeah. Between that and Judgment, I've been playing a few things before release lately. Hmm. Hmm. I played Fallout 3. (laughs) (laughs) How was Fallout 3? Extremely current and relevant, just like me. (laughs) Nice. I also played that Time Spinner that I talked about last week. It's a a little Metroidvania thing. It's on the Switch. It's it's kind of neat, actually. A little bit annoying in places. Um, The enemies can sometimes just be... 
it's got that Castlevania thing of let's have enemies that are just irritating, ah. that have weird movement patterns and attacks, but it's it's cute. I gave Outer Wilds another chance because um, a couple of people told me on Twitter, look, it's meant to feel kind of clunky and stuff because that's part of the lore. And while I appreciate that and I get that that's fine for some people, for me, that didn't make it less frustrating, the fact that it's meant to be. Sure, yeah, if, yeah. If you do it on purpose, that one of my earlier controversial reviews was for that fucking Too Human, the Silicon Knights game. And I complained about like really long animation sequences when you die and the way the combat seemed designed to frequently kill you to reinforce it. And people were like, oh, well, that's done on purpose. And the thing I always said was, yes, yeah. that game, Too Human, is designed exactly how they wanted it to do. None of what happens in that game is a mistake. It's not... Um, poor design from a you know them fucking something up it runs exactly how they intended it to run doesn't mean it doesn't run like shit they designed it awfully i will say this that like if if that is something you enjoy and you like the added challenge of the traversal and stuff i would never suggest to you that that's wrong not not for one so i think that's great and i think it's cool that you enjoy it yeah but for me, the fact that it's intended that way doesn't make it less frustrating for it's me. It's never a justification for something that you don't like. It's why I still struggle with Far Cry Blood Dragon. I get that the intent at the beginning is meant to be a deliberately annoying parody of video game tutorials, but it doesn't change the fact it's a deliberately annoying video game tutorial. Yeah. It's, it's weird then that I found that section hilarious. Oh yeah, no, some people do find it hilarious, <laughs> yeah. but like, it for me, it annoyed me, and the fact that it was deliberate didn't make it less annoying. <laughs> Yeah, I'm usually very quick to drop something if I feel the controls are off. It's yeah. just it's the number one killer of games for me when I feel the controls are off. I look at it this way: Todd Howard deliberately made that joke at the beginning of the Bethesda press conference about how he was surprised people were still there. Doesn't make what Bethesda did okay. It doesn't mean they should dis they they should get to joke about how bad a game they made. I mean, on on the flip side of that, there's games that like for me don't have much going on. Uh, story-wise or anything, but they just feel so goddamn good to play that I'll do it for hours. Like, uh, Destiny's the one I can think of. I played that game for way longer than it deserved simply because they did such a fantastic job of the shooting and controls in that game. I think that's that's everything E3. It took us about two hours to get through it. I got a nice little bonus length episode. Yeah. So I don't want to hear any fucking complaints. <laughs> it was prob there, was, there was probably stuff we left out, but sure, you know. Oh, no doubt, yeah. Oh, yeah, but... I think I think that was a pretty good E3 episode. Just quickly, do either of you have thoughts on Elden Ring, or are you kind of? Because for me, that was even more than Cyberpunk. I'm excited for Elden Ring. I don't feel like I saw enough to get excited. I I am conceptually excited. I want to wait until I see footage until I get more hype. I'm thrilled at the idea of a new From game coming, especially because I didn't get on with Sekiro. So I'm glad I've got a new From project to look forward to. But I can't say I can't have any more thoughts than that right now. It was when I read that in interview with Miyazaki and he said it's more Dark Souls it's more uh, based in the RPG and the variety and all that yeah. not like Sekiro that's when my hype went from like an 8 to an 11 if you get me yeah no I get you I get you oh, yeah yeah there we go we done it yeah we did it folks we, we done we done it all's good um Laura why not tell the lovely listeners uh, where they can see more of your things me Laura K Buzz in all the places. Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Uh, I stream on Twitch 
Mondays, Tuesdays and Fridays at 3pm UK, 10am Eastern, 7am Pacific. Uh, beyond that, patreon.com forward slash Laura K Buzz, that's what pays the bills. Please, if you can afford to chuck a quid a month over there, that super helps. I... I'm getting the right direction. Thank you so much for everyone who has supported me so far on there. It's not quite where it needs to be for this to be stable yet. So if anyone is listening and enjoys my stuff, please, if you can afford to, please chuck in a, a quid. It'd really, really help. Uh, you can find everything I publish on laurakbuzz.com. That includes podcasts, videos, written articles. Everything goes up there. I'm on Dice Funk, it's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on Queer and Pleasant Strangers, it is a podcast to do with my fiance where we do silly skits and voices. Uh, I've got a new podcast called Tonal Whiplash, it's up on iTunes right now. I do interviews with interesting guests where we alternate serious and silly questions back and forth. I've got a podcast called Laura K Buzz Will Be On My Brother, My Brother and Me, in which I... I make the case for why I should be on an episode of the hit podcast My Brother, My Brother and Me. I think you should go listen to that. I'm not saying why, but like, maybe go listen to it sometime in the next month. You know, there maybe there will be a good reason to listen to it. Um, I think that's about it. Just Laura, Laura K Buzz in all the places. Laura K Buzz on Patreon, that's what pays the bills. If you have a Twitch Prime and you want to throw it my way, Twitch, Twitch slash Laura K Buzz. I can accept that there. Thank you very much. There we go. That's a bunch of shit. Tremendous. <laughs> that was a, that was a lot. Yeah. That was a lot of stuff. I'm doing a lot of stuff. You are. You are. Yeah. You're a busy, a busy, busy lady. Yeah. I'm doing a lot of things. I did. Uh, what did I do? I did not quite live streams. So for all of the E3 press conferences, I did live streams where we discussed everything that happened in the press conference, not in real time. So we're not talking over the press conference. Uh, there's a bunch of those up on YouTube. I'm on the Guardians podcast next week. Uh, I've got some stuff up on sci-fi.com. I'm doing a lot of work at the moment. <laughs> splendid, splendid. And Gavin, uh, can you tell us all about the great music, what you've done on the internet and will continue to do for many years long? May he reign. Uh, you can find me under Miracle of Sound on YouTube and Spotify and iTunes. Uh, I think iTunes is still there. I don't actually know. I should uh, check this. iTunes still exists, yes. Yeah, I tried using it the other day and it was an absolute fucking piece of fucking shit of an app. Yeah. When I say the other day, I mean a couple of weeks ago. So I don't know if it's still there or if it's staying or what's going on with it. But it's a piece of shit. <laughs> So uh, listen to my stuff maybe there if you have to, but YouTube, Spotify, and of course, if you want to help keep me in a job, Patreon is the number one way to do it. And if you like Game of Thrones, you're going to love the last song I put out, which has actually been a massive hit by my standards. It did 100k in the first day, which is really rare for me. So that's really nice. And it's about Jamie and Cersei's toxic relationship. So... Yeah, there you go. And it's with Carlene, who's always uh, absolutely gorgeous on vocals. And I say this about once every six months, but there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast have never heard my music. And I suggest you go listen to it. Yeah, please it's do. Good. It really is. And I just passed like quarter of a billion views on YouTube, which is really nice. So thanks to everyone who did listen. Good, good. Um, yeah, great news all around. Uh, you know, uh, mostly my stuff. Um, if you do want to check it out like do please still go and check last week's gymquisition fear and fury how the rockstar sausage is made that no one in games press picked it up that it that basically all i fear that was learned from it was that rockstar now knows 
not enough people give a shit for them to ever want to address this. I find that a little heartbreaking. Did you do some investigative journalism and it didn't take off the same way you do in a top 10 shitty games list? Yes, exactly. Exactly. I shared that video like three times last week. It's a fantastic video. Go watch it. Go shout from the top of the rooftops about it. I got to share. I got to watch it and I got to share. But if, if you are so inclined, do please, because there are important issues and they're getting ignored. Yeah. It's the one shame about, like, the the timing of me leaving Kotaku UK is that I didn't get a chance to go, oh, here's a good opportunity to write about it yeah. on, a, on a website that people look at. But, you know, we did a post-nuclear, post-mortem of Fallout 76 this Monday. That obviously did a bit better. Um, the views are still going nicely on that one. I watched it. I'll admit I watched that one for, for some level of catharsis. I get it. I mean, hell, the little 10-minute quick video I did about Todd Howard, the day after I did the Rockstar one, kept pace with the full-on Jimquisition. It's what the people bloody want. They say they don't. They do. Um, the the video on demand, the VODs of the Genquisition, where me and Jenna Bain did the Snarkathon, uh, did really well. Um, got quite a few subscribers off the back of that and followers and everything. So th- you're very, very welcome if you're listening to this. I uh, hope you continue to like their stuff. I'm glad it did well. Yeah. And I'm glad Jenna's doing well. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, she, she's kicking ass with the the stuff she's putting out. Mm. The vods should be available at least on her Twitch channel, Jenna Bain. Um, I'm not sure which ones are going up on YouTube, but there, there is a clip going around of her and I reacting in real time to Keanu Reeves, um, and <laughs> people have been enjoying that. It was a cute moment. Was it was it one of the few times you were ever rendered speechless? I was I was a little bit giggly and blushy i must admit um he gets me flustered he gets everyone flustered he does it must be the long hair and beard you know yeah i'm not normally a beard person um and in except for the case of keanu and of course gavin um but yeah, yeah if you're in mississippi uh july 13th uh, i've got a show in collins um pro wrestling ego this should be the one i've been looking forward to since december mm. I, it's as long as I get all the... I've got one thing left to fit into place. I've, I'm waiting for one last asset I need to make this work. And then then shit's popping off. Then I'm taking no prisoners when it comes to wrestling. Um, also, still looking at a date, potentially August, for... Uh, I won't say who the company is yet until things are finalised, and I know I can say things, but if you're in the northeast, uh, I, I should be doing some work in uh, Pittsburgh. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Jim, do your full matches ever get uploaded anywhere that we can watch? Well, I don't do many full matches. I'm still mostly an enforcer and a manager, Um, sort of a manager that gets more physical than the average manager. But generally, Pro Wrestling Ego's YouTube channel has it. Um, Pro Wrestling Ego, that's that, you know, just the full name on on YouTube. Um, They have an actual Jim Sterling Stardust playlist that I think they still update. Um, But... Almost everything I've done is on there. And I keep putting people to it, but they... I, I guess I'm not shouting it enough. But yeah, go check their channel out. Um, the stuff I'll be doing in Pittsburgh will be available through... That's why I asked. Um, yes. Thank yeah. <laughs> <Like> you, <can. laughs> um, I'm terrible at self-marketing. I'm glad you're uh, <laughs> steering me right. No, you're fine. I'm fucking terrible at it too. <laughs> yeah. I've had merch for the last year that I f- keep forgetting to plug oh. to the point where they're like, please plug our merch for you. I forgot to plug a thing as well. I've got two books, Uncomfortable Labels. My memoir comes out in like a month. Uh, if you back me on Patreon, you can get a 50% off voucher for the audio book, which exists as well. So that's the thing. Cool, cool. And then things I learned from Mario's bar. <laughs> and while on the subject of merch, um, we've got a, a, 
a t-shirt and a pog up on the gymporium uh the gymporium.com um pride themed uh all money spent on the shirt and the pog go to the trevor project um so mm. that's a, a thing there so something i've wanted to do each year to try and do something for pride as a, an lgbtq creator myself uh both Justin and I, both of us on that spectrum, feel you know feel really good about that, and people have really they've gone over really well. People like it because it's the usual Jimquisition logo, but it's all rainbow patterned and it looks really nice. Justin really pulled the stops out on it, uh, so go check that out as well. Uh, and that's it, I think, after this uh, basically double length episode with double length promos for us all at the end. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, why not? Why not? Thank you all for listening. Thank you for all of you sharing, your supporting, and anything you do, your patronage and whatnot. Um, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Love you. Bye. You're 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 breathtaking. <laughs> <laughs>